Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Foreign policy inner circle around Bush is very, very high. Recorded right now, live. Tenet's only ally in the administration, the Secretary of State, was openly facing off against Cheney and Rumsfeld. It became personal between Powell and Cheney. It also became personal between Powell and Rumsfeld. So you have this collision of worldviews. You have personal animosity. The vice president took the WMD arguments out into the country. Simply stated, there is no doubt that Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass destruction. There is no doubt. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
evening, folks, and welcome once again to another edition of the Contenders for the Faith radio broadcast. I am Pastor Anthony Grizzly, broadcasting to you live from the state of Arizona. And if you're in the uh, Arizona area or the state of Arizona, come look us up. We're at the Payson First Baptist Church in Payson, right in the heart of this state. And uh, if you're in Payson, we're the only King James Bible-believing Baptist church within about an 80-mile radius in all directions, and uh, would love to hear from you. Uh, we're still standing on the old book. We believe in separation and service to the Lord and the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, we believe it's our great privilege to be able to do so. Uh, folks, we're a show that's dedicated to tackling controversy and conspiracy directly related to Christianity, and we do all these things from a biblical perspective because we do believe the Bible, the King James Bible is our final authority in all matters of faith and practice, and it has all the answers to life's problems from politics to pop culture. We believe you just got to go to the book, always to the book, and the opinions of man or the brightest scholars of our day simply pale in comparison to that blessed book. It's also good to have with us tonight that main tower of brain power, the research director of the Ecclesiastical Law Center, Jason Burton. And uh, Jason, we've got a meeting coming up. You've got a meeting. You're hosting it. Your church is hosting it. It is the ELC conference and June 6th through the 10th. Uh, man, that's just a couple weeks away. That's right. And actually, it's going through the 9th, which is a Thursday. Um, but if you need a place to stay uh, coming out for that event, the Ecclesiastical Law Center meetings, just contact me at refreshedaz.hotmail.com. Pastor, I've already got confirmations from a lot of different pastors. This is going to be a very well-attended event. And, uh, folks, what the Ecclesiastical Law Center does is they is we help churches with uh, uh, tax issues and things like that. Um, we help churches basically be able to stand with the Lord Jesus Christ as head of their church without any entanglement with the state. We do believe in separation of church and state pastor. We believe that a church ought not to have the government as its head, and uh, we do everything that we can to just so that the government will leave churches alone so they can do their job of evangelizing the world and telling others about Jesus Christ and training the saints to do so as well. Uh, looking forward to the meetings coming up. We're going to have Pastor Mike Hoover is going to be up there, so if you want to meet him, we're in Union City, Indiana, which is right on the Ohio border, about 30 miles north of Richmond, Indiana, which is uh, on I-70, if you want a, an idea of where we're at. But uh, we'd be more than happy to try to find arrangements for you. we got places filling up quickly. So if you want to confirm that you are coming to the meetings, be sure to let me know, and uh, we'll get you in on there. We've also got a lot of activities that week, Pastor. Uh, we're going to have a family activity. We're going to have a ladies' activity. We're going to have a men's activity. We're going to have sessions every morning dealing with lordship issues that are current. I'm going to be doing a session, I believe it's on Wednesday morning, uh, with regard to the property tax situation that is popping up all over the country. You don't want to miss it. Doesn't that sound like an interesting session? Okay, I oh, promise yeah. you, I will make it interesting. I promise you that. So, um, well, and if I don't, you get your money back, I guess. Um, <laughs> what money? So, yeah, just come, come for the preaching, come for the... Uh, Come for the uh, fellowship. We we would love to have you here for sure. And uh, we've got folks coming, Pastor, all the way from New York, all the way across to Oregon. Um, some possibly just got word today that we're going to have some folks from uh, California coming out. Oh, wow. And so praise the Lord. 
that. Wow. Okay. Well, the, hey, that uh, that tax uh, property tax in. Uh, uh, session sounds very interesting to me because uh, you and I were well. You you pointed out that um, for our church, they didn't actually start assessing the tax value of our property till about 2012. Even though they haven't sent us any tax bills, but they're actually doing the assessments. So that means they're thinking about it. So it's around the corner, and uh, so I'm very curious about that, and I'm sure many preachers will be as well. So if, we're, if, if anything at all, folks, you want to hear that session, uh, my family's going to be there, Lord willing, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I've heard that several other preachers are going to be there. I heard Brother Scott Pullman is supposed to be there from Bearing Precious Seed up there in uh, Lansing, Michigan, and so it's going to be a great time. Food's provided. Um, housing, well, you're just going to have to contact Jason. Go to Lordship Church. Churches.info, and you can uh, find out everything you need to know and contact Pastor Jason or uh, Pastor Keith Hoover, and I'm sure they'll hook you up. It will be a great time. It, yeah, it won't be, you won't be disappointed, all right? And I think people need to understand something, too. Uh, I just received an email, Jason, about uh, another fellow up there in Montana who's helping churches get unregistered, um, become non-501c3. But I, I found out that that guy up there in Montana, Jason, he's doing it solely because, um, you know, uh, he thinks he's going to bring in a kingdom. And uh, we're not doing that to bring in a kingdom. We're doing that so the church can do what it's supposed to do. As Jason said, and this is a very important point, we're not trying to uh, overturn the federal government in unregistering our churches, guys. And uh, if you think that's what we're doing, you're, you're looking at it from the wrong perspective because it's just not in the book. No matter how much you look at it, and or how much uh, Mr. Baldwin up there says it is, I promise you it's not in the book. But anyways, hope to see everybody there, and uh, this should be a great time, June 6th through the 9th. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Well, Jason, it's Mother's Day, or was Mother's Day yesterday, and um, we had a great time in our church. We do honor our mothers. We think mothers are important, uh, especially godly mothers. Uh, we realize that mothers across this country have to fight to survive, it seems, and they'll do whatever it takes to take care of their homes. But the Bible gives us a plan for how mothers are supposed to be. And it seems to me, Jason, and we're seeing this over and over again in churches, that the biblical mother today is is just being rejected amongst believers. The idea of a biblical mother at God's way is it goes completely against the grain of everything this world expects out of women, i.e. Hillary Clinton running for uh, the presidency. And, and I told our church folks this, the worst mother that this country could ever have would be Hillary in the White House. And um, But I... I I would have said the same thing if it was Sarah Palin. All right, I have to say the same thing if it were Sarah Palin or Carly Fiorina or um, uh, Michelle Bachman or whoever else you saw, or Ann Coulter. Ann Coulter's not going to run, but you get my point. Um, this is, this is not the picture or example of motherhood according to the Word of God, and it is a good chance that we may have Hillary. As the President of the United States, I hope not. And, and I told our church folks this as well. Uh, according to the Bible, Bernie Sanders, Sanders is more qualified to be the President of the United States 
than Sarah Palin or um, Hillary Clinton. And the reason being is because he's a man. Now, I know that sounds chauvinistic, but that's actually Bible. They have no business being the leader of a nation. Well, that's true, but let's back up a little bit. I mean, what is what is a successful woman in our society? Think about what that is real quick. We know um, we have a lot of family that was really disappointed in my wife. She did very well in school and yeah. had, had all the best scholarships and that type of thing, second in her class, high school class, and uh, – and and was on the track to be a teacher or a nurse, just like her sisters and her uh, cousins and her and her mother actually. And what they saw as successful was having a, a house, you know, a mortgage and having uh, stuff, and uh, and being respectable members of society. Well, when Amy decided that she wanted to stay home, she was considered in the eyes of those that we know that are in the world to be unsuccessful that she yeah. had somehow given up what her great potential was, and all she did was stay home. You know, that's yep. how the United States, uh, specifically people in the United States and the Western world, see uh, women as being successful. They see them um, aspiring to, to places where men are. Now, that may sound sexist coming from a man, but that's exactly what's going on. Um, they think that, uh, that they will somehow find fulfillment and success in the business world and in climbing the corporate ladder, then some of them do find success in doing so. You've got people like Carly Fiorina, who made it to the CEO. I mean, to the point to where she was influential enough to actually, you know, dive bomb three major companies. Uh, one that used to be a great company, HP, and now is yeah. uh, is really terrible. But uh, you, they, it's not that the women don't have the capability, but our society expects women to go out and to slug it out in the open work market. And if they don't do that, they are looked down upon not only as people that didn't fulfill their potential, but as uh, as women who are doing the wrong thing. And that's where our society is at. Almost every household in America is a two-wage earner household as far as the middle class go. If yeah. you're going to have everything that this world has to offer, the boats, the RVs, the uh, four-wheelers, the big house in suburbia, um, the vacations every year, if you're going to have all of this stuff, you need two-wage earners in this economy, generally speaking. And so what has happened is women have gotten great equality in the workplace, but they've been taken out of a position that was biblically ordained for them to be in. That was the danger. Yeah, absolutely. And and because of that, um, uh, because the women have to slug it out in the workplace amongst men, it has hardened the women. And uh, with their the emotions being what they are, and the hardened um, the callousness that's coming from women, you combine the two, and you have what we see in Hillary and so many political leaders today. Bible shows us in Isaiah that uh, when the nation of Israel had gotten out of the will of God, children became oppressors, and women ruled over them. And because women ruled over them, the children have the ability to be oppressors, because women don't have that um, backbone to just say, no, this isn't going to happen. Instead, they have this, well, you know, it's, they're just expressing themselves. And, and you know, a mother, have you ever heard of the phrase, uh, face only a mother could love? You know, because uh, the, the mother can give a pass to even a cold-blooded killer, all right? 
and uh, they will not see reason. I'm not saying that all women are like that. I, my wife, my wife is a brilliant woman. She is a brilliant woman. She, I mean, she she reads. She takes in information like you wouldn't believe. I mean, she, she there's there's stuff she knows that uh, I've I've seen older women that had, hadn't a single clue on. But it's because she reads so much. She eats up information, and she could do whatever she wanted to do. She's talented, and yet she has chosen to be the husband of, or the wife of one, uh, to, wife of a husband, to, to be a wife of, a mother of children, and, uh, and stay at home, not advancing a career. And many have looked at her and said, you've wasted your life. But every child she puts out as a productive citizen that loves the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart truly is a, uh, a jewel in the eyes of God. And, um, well, and it, it, and it, it I, breaks my heart to see how women have w- been willing to, sh- to shuck what God considers precious for, for the work world, which is the result of the curse of sin. Well, and when you're just going after money, for the love of money is the root of all evil, the Bible says. Absolutely. When you're, when you're going after that money, you're going to tend to leave places where you are supposed to be. I mean, the fact is, we sound extremely antiquated. Now, just saying today, saying that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, is sounding antiquated. You're not allowed yeah. to say that on college campuses, that there are distinctions and that there are differences between a man and a woman. And uh, I will sound like a liberal for a second. Let me say that I want to celebrate the differences that are in my wife. I am <laughs> I'm so glad she's not like me. I mean, there are, yes. I mean, in a day where we have people that are literally denying biological fact – to where people can claim to be something that they are not. There are a couple of funny, funny videos out there. There's a, uh, a man that's claiming to be a, uh, a Japanese woman or something like that. And then there's another one that's actually was done in Sweden on a college campus where it's a uh, woman who was claiming to be a six foot six Japanese man. And it was funny because she asked people, she started with the question, well, what if I feel like a man inside? Is that okay? And they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, whatever you want to uh, believe about yourself, that's fine. She says, well, what if I want to believe I'm a Japanese person? Well, she lost about half of the people there. Um, <laughs> they were like, well, you know, you're not Japanese. And uh, and she was like, well, I feel like I am on the inside, <laughs> things like that. And, uh, you know, ha- the other half were like, well, you know, if, if that's the way you feel, that you're, that you're Japanese, then, then that's great. She said, she continued on, well, uh, you know, with the six-foot-six thing. And so here she had these people admitting that it was okay for her to believe that she was a six-foot-six Japanese man. Here was a, about a five-foot-five uh, Swedish woman um, who was seven years old. And uh, it was funny to watch these people try to dance around their own inconsistencies in identifying people. But it is, in this day, it is rebellious, and it, it will very soon be against the law. I don't know if you've been following what's happening in North Carolina, but against the law to even make any sort of distinction between a man and a woman. Yep, we know that these are biological differences, and so, but to say so is rebellion. Well, and what's neat about the Word of God is God is so far ahead. That Bible is so far ahead of our time 
He already put in Scripture, it's an abomination for a man to put on that which is a woman's, and vice versa. And then he talks about how uh, uh, it's, it's an abomination for men to burn in lust toward each other. It's unnatural affection. I mean, the book is way ahead of us. So even as the King James translators are writing these words down and they're going, wow, that's strong stuff. Who would ever think that way? And yet here we are. And you've got to know that Sodom and Gomorrah was the same way. And that's the way the, uh, those nations were that Israel had to drive out in Canaan land. That was their mindset. There was no distinction, not even between the animals and humankind. That's why God had to put Leviticus chapter 18. That's very interesting you bring that up, that, that it happened all throughout Scripture. Of course, we know this. You read the Bible and you see people acting wickedly from just about the beginning. Yep. Um, this is not a new issue. The bathroom no. issue is not a new issue. Transgenderism, or whatever you want to call all of the wickedness and perversion and and uh, sodomy and uh, abominations going on in our land, one thing you can't call it is new. Nope. Now, of course, the uh, liberals want to say, you know, this is just, we are now reaching a new level of knowledge that people should be able to identify in the way yeah. that they want. Yes, a new level of enlightenment. Well, the fact is that it's been around the entire history of humanity, and it's been ostracized in in most cultures for a very good reason. And uh, specifically in the Bible, you read that God demanded, and even saw as disgusting these these things happening. Um, he demanded they they cease from doing these things because their wickedness, their confusion, they break down natural distinctions. I mean, uh, we are getting to the point to where we have people that are literally. And I'm going to use that word a lot, I guess, tonight. That's the, only the second time I've used it, but I try to avoid it. Um, there are people that identify as cats and dogs now. Yeah, yeah. That and is a and mental condition. That is not an opinion. Those people need Jesus Christ and need him badly to get their their minds straightened out. Well, and they're altering their bodies in order to do so. Uh, so oh, body, body uh, alter. That, that's interesting you bring that up, because body alteration is a, is a uh, symptom of, of what's going on in the hearts and the minds of the, peop of the American people. A tattoo is. now is, is nothing, honestly. No. I mean, and, and, uh, and it goes way beyond that. The gauges in the ears, the piercings in the nose, the, the disfigurement of the human form, uh, mm -hmm. people basically expressing on the outside of their bodies that they hate themselves because they know deep down that they're enmity with their creator. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, back to the women, of course. Um, there, uh, Jason, one of, the, one of the clearest passages of Scripture as far as the position of a woman as found in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, the church is the institution that, God, that Jesus Christ stands in the midst of. This is what he's working with uh, to get the gospel out uh, to a lost and dying world. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, the Bible clearly teaches, in verse 11, let the women learn in silence. This is a godly woman. With all subjection, I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence, for Adam was first formed 
than Eve. So God clearly established, even just in the creation of the first man and woman, that man came first, women came second. Man was not deceived. He made a clear choice to sin in the garden, and uh, and, be, and the curse of sin was that he would have to uh, work by the sweat of his brow. Women, they were deceived, and their their punishment would be they would have to uh, uh, they'd have to deliver in pain and agony and so on and so forth. Then you go to the next chapter. First Timothy 3. And this isn't chauvinism, guys. This is God's plan. It's just the way God made us. All right? You can call it what you like, but it's just that you can't get around what God created. Uh, ladies and men, you want to go ahead and alter your bodies? Go ahead. You can have a surgeon cut and uh, add, but the hormones are still there, so you have to continually take drugs, Jason, in order to keep your hormones from not rejecting the alterations and turning you into one big blob. Yeah, it doesn't change, the, I mean, doesn't change the DNA. No, and you so, can't do it. It's impossible. So you go to First Timothy chapter 3. Yep. First Timothy chapter 3, then the Bible establishes who leads the church. We have a bishop, we have a deacon, and in both cases, they are men. Now, your modern versions are changing portions of First Timothy 3. They actually turn the wives being addressed in First Timothy 3, verse 11, to actually just women. So allowing them to have a leadership role, which God never intended. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The Bible says women are not to speak in the church. Why? Because they're not supposed to hold a leadership position. They're not supposed to be preaching. I don't care if you're Faye Harden or Sarah Palin or Tammy Faye Baker or whatever you want to call I mean, It doesn't matter. The Bible is so clear on this matter. So when we get to the worst mother in our country, the very fact that she is a woman, Hillary Clinton, disqualifies her from running this country successfully. And I say, well, and I hear this often, Jason. Well, it's not that a woman couldn't run the nation. Um, Actually, it is because a woman couldn't run the nation. You can't run it properly. God didn't give you what you need to run the nation properly properly. All right? God gave it to a man. He didn't give it to a woman. That's just the way it is. Now, you women may not like that, but you know what the problem is in church, Jason? The most discontent people in church are often the young girls. 90% of the time, discontentment is found in our young ladies, not necessarily in the young men. And I'm not trying to be chauvinistic here at all, but it's because they've been living with this Disneyland fantasy. Well, you can do whatever you want, and you need to be able to make something of yourself. And don't you wish you could be a boy? And so wow, they grow up a, with that, and then what boom. a statement! I mean, just that that statement: you make something of yourselves, as if being a mother and running a household well and in a biblical way is not the right thing to do. That is that's where we're at. I mean, you threw that out there because it is a it's something that society says. And it sounds so natural, doesn't it? But uh, we've definitely turned away from the, the ways of God and our families, and it's, it's time for women to take their place back where um, God had designed them to be, not barefoot, pregnant, and in the kitchen, but as a helpmeet to their husband. Yep, that's exactly right. L- listen to this verse. It's such a sweet verse, and yet women think they know better than God. It said, and this is talking about the wives, it said, Let it be the hidden man of the heart in First Peter 3, 4, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. I don't care how much Joyce Meyer thinks she's called of God. There's nothing meek or quiet 
or chased about her when she stands at a pulpit and preaches. Not to mention the fact that there's really no word of God that comes out of her either. It's in direct defiance to God's order of things. God bless you women. You faithfully raise your children to live for God, and you give your all to them. The federal government's got nothing for you. Here's another argument, okay? Jason, I've got to throw this out. I know we're running out of time. We'll get into the second half. But if a woman stays at home, takes no job, pays no taxes into the system, when it comes time for retirement, she gets nothing from the government. This government has nothing to offer for the woman who obeys the Bible. All right, that's fine. This is the Contenders for the Faith radio broadcast. I'm Jason Burton with Pastor Anthony Garissi, and we are talking about Mother's Day, actually. We're going to get more into that. We're going to talk about Hillary Clinton a little bit in the second half of the broadcast as well, and a few other things, so stay tuned through the break, but jump into that chat. In the meantime, we'll be right back. Check them out at naturelogic.com. 
you will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. from heaven, a clear word from God, a sermon of conviction, straight from the heart. I've been hearing other preachers say I don't have to change. The most eloquent of speakers tell me I'm okay, but it hasn't eased my conscience. I know it's not the truth, so when you stand before us, can I count on you, oh preacher, you say you want to be my friend, don't be afraid to call my sin, what it is, and preacher, tell me I can overcome.
gonna be my friend Don't be afraid to call my sin What it is And preacher Tell me I can overcome But it's only by the blood Of the Lamb Don't tell me like I wish it was Preacher, tell me like it is the Contenders for the Faith radio broadcast. I'm Jason Burton. And of course, in the big squeaky chair in Payson, Arizona, the pastor of the only mega church in Payson, Arizona. You'll find them right there at 303 West Main Street. Yeah. And uh, flanked by the Cedars of Lebanon, of course. And uh, with the Library of Alexandria in his spacious office. It has to be spacious if it has that. But uh, folks, it's Pastor Anthony Garissi. And uh, if you ever want to talk to him, you can just give him a call or you can email him. One of his personal assistants will take care of the uh, contact information. So just have your people get a hold of his people. <laughs> your people get a hold of my people. You know, I could grease this chair, but I I mean, why break the... Uh, the tradition. I got to have a squeaky chair, and that's just the way it is. Besides that, if one of my children get in my office and get at my desk, I know because I can hear this squeaky chair <laughs> all around. So it's like an alarm system. So there you go. I got to have it. Now, as far as the Library of Alexandria, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't have one. Yeah, well, half, half of those books are probably mine in there. Next time I go out there, I'm going to be checking. I do that every time I go in your office, don't I? I always pick up a book or two that look good and see if my name's in it. <laughs> see, and that's how I know. I, I, see, I, I don't go to your house to look for my books. I go to the library to see if you put some of my books in the library. Sorry, I couldn't help. I had to shoot. So. <laughs> Fine. I know how you work. You borrow a book and then you send it to the library. I don't know how I got this book. Why does it say what? Anthony on it? Ah, well, Did that happen? Did that well, happen once? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You ask your wife. She'll remember. She'll remember. Oh, okay. I don't re- I don't recall. I plead the fifth. <laughs> okay, you guys can contact Speaking me. Speaking of, I don't recall. <laughs> Isn't that what Hillary <laughs> says all the time? That's exactly right. I don't. What? Well, she says. What difference does it make? That's where you go. Yeah. Uh, you, did, did we give the email address? I was too busy chuckling after what Frank said. Um, between the your email address, that's pastor at paysonfirstbaptistchurch.net, or you can go to paysonfirstbaptistchurch.net and check out the really cool website, picture of the church up there, and uh, and other things like that, and uh, and just kind of search around that website. Hey, speaking of websites, though, go to theamericanvoice.com. If you're uh, if you haven't in a while, click on that button that says chat about halfway down. Give yourself a super secret identity. Jump in that chat room with everybody that's in there. It's a great way to interact with the program. And also consider giving to the American Voice Radio Network, one of the only bastions of truth left in the radio world. Well, pretty soon in the whole world, but that's another issue. Uh, well, it's, I think it's sooner than later. That's that's my opinion on the matter, and it's times just they like, are a changing, isn't that correct? Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, I was I was reading this article on Kurt Schilling and how he got fired from ESPN. I want to say right now, Kurt Schilling is no spiritual giant nor conservative giant for that matter, but he got fired no, from bar- making a statement. Barely, it's just a regular dude, though. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Or, or maybe he has functioning brain cells. That's what got him fired from ESPN. Because I, you know what? He notices the distinction between men and women. It's not that hard. That's, 
and that's all he did. He was just he merely pointed out or commented on a picture, and so uh, I guess he was on the Dan Patrick show, and he related to Dan Patrick that um, he said. Being an employee of ESPN, he said you basically had to whisper that you were a Republican or that you were a conservative. You could, oh, uh, you could not, your views could not be tolerated. And yet he said so many hosts would get on and they would speak of their liberal views. They'd, they'd compare Republicans to ISIS and all that, and they'd not be touched. And that's just the way it is in our society. You know, um, they, they hate the good and they love the evil, and uh, they're controlling everything to make sure our voices get squelched. But uh, American Voice continues on, and um, and so we praise the Lord for it. So we want to encourage you to continue supporting the American Voice Radio Network. Well, we're talking about Hillary, and uh, we're talking about mothers, because it is uh, uh, Mother's Day, or was Mother's Day yesterday, and um, uh, I, I, I hope you did something for your mother. She deserves it. Now, here's one of the reasons why your mother deserves it, okay? Because she's your mother. Say, well, my mother abused me, and she's a deadbeat, drug addict, whatever. She's your mother, and the Bible says you're to honor them. And there's no um, – uh, I, I can't stand to see this type of mindset. Well, they didn't earn it. Well, they don't have to. They're your parents, and the Bible says you're to honor your parents, not because they love God, but because they're your parents. And if they love God, you got, you've been blessed. All right? You have been blessed. And in this day and age, you ought to thank God for your mother if she didn't abort you, because abortions that are an all-time high, and they've been going on for the longest time. I even hear that Hillary herself had several abortions. Uh, Jason and Chelsea was just mere political advantage. You know, she may not have, actually, but she would certainly lie about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. One thing she has not done over the years that's been very public is uh, is be a very good mother. How could? Let me ask you this: How could you be as involved in politics as uh, as somebody like Hillary Clinton was, and still have time to do what you ought to do for your children? You don't. You have nope. nannies. You have other people raise them. Of course, uh, most Americans these days they have the public school system raise their children anyway, so they're no better off either. And, uh, you know, I guess there are certain mothers out there that uh, are very thankful for the public school system because it gets their little brats out of their hair. But you know mm-hmm. what? If you don't raise your children to be little brats, then you won't have to get them out of your hair. Uh, and that's just speaking it like it is. I mean, it's, you're right. Here's an interesting passage of Scripture that uh, I think gets overlooked, Jason, and that's in First Kings chapter 3. And in First Kings chapter 3, Solomon's throne is being consolidated. He's, he's taking control. And one of the first cases he deals with is two women. Uh, come into his throne room. There are two harlots. Now, I'm going to liken a harlot to, um, and, I, and I know people will get upset with this, uh, but to a woman that wants to get out into the work world. And, say, and here's why. Because you're getting into a man's realm. All right, and the men are going to take advantage of you, and the men you're going to have to deal with whatever ungodliness is a part of that, what God never intended for you to be a part of. All right. Now, that may seem extreme to some of you folks, but you ladies did not belong in man's workplace. You should not be listening to the foul mouth uh, or the crassness on a job site. You're, you were not meant to be hardened to those things. You were not meant to work by the sweat of your brow in the field to earn the bread. 
Okay. Well, you got these two harlots that are living in a realm, uh, a part of a life that's vile. It's uh, it's abhorrent in the eyes of God, and yet Solomon here has time for them. And I, and I got to say this: in First Kings three sixteen says there came two women that were harlots onto the kings to perform. He's going to give a ruling to them, and for you ladies out there that had to make do and do whatever you had to do, uh, look, I'm not giving you a pass. If you violated the word of God, you will answer for it. But there's mercy with God. God has time for even you. All right? Cast your cares upon him. He cares for you. And some of you women, you lost your husbands, your husband ran out on you, and you had to work. You had to do whatever it took to put food on the table. I get it. Okay? But if you violated God's word, you'll be answering for it. But God has mercy for you. So first well, thing, the, the, the exception there, the exceptions actually prove the rule. So the exception that there would be a woman who uh, had to get out there and slog it out in the workforce, we're not talking to the one that didn't have a husband or was abandoned or, That's right. or that That's type right. of thing. God has mercy. You're right. God has mercy upon them, and they do what they have to in order to feed their children. And we certainly would never want anybody to listen to this and think that they were, we were holding any kind of biblical judgment over them for doing what they yeah. had to do. But yeah. the fact is, you know, that's not the way most women in America do it now. It is a choice, and they and and many many women do it in order to be able to uh, live at a cert, certain standard or to be able to have some sort of uh, good feelings about themselves and have others feel good about them about how they have progressed through their career. And yep. that is where we are saying it's wrong. Uh, exactly. And here's something else just to throw out. This is free, guys, before we get back to 1 Kings 3. 1 Timothy 5 actually provides a way for some of you ladies. If you stick to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, God has a plan for you. Now, you mothers, if you raise your children up to love God, according to 1 Timothy 5, they owe you a debt of service. And they are to take care of you if you lose your source of income. All right? And, and listen, the church, if, they, if you have no children and you become a widow and you have no sustenance, the church comes in and takes care of you. So if you stick to God's plan, God has a way. Don't trust the federal government. Trust God's way. Don't complain about all the hypocrisies in the church. Get in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, a true church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and watch God take care of you. All right, back to 1 Kings 3. So two harlots come in, and they stand before the, uh, the court, and Solomon hears their case. Now, we know it. I'll just, I'll just tell you what it was. Two women come in. The one lady says, look, we both had babies, and this woman rolled over her baby in the night. Now, that tells me she's a little careless, but accidents happen. Okay, I'll, I'll give her a pass. She rolled over her baby in the night. The baby dies. She overlaid it, according to 1 Kings 3. And then she, in the middle of the night, takes the living baby from the mother, who was not careless, and puts the dead baby in her arms. Now, this is the accusation. There's no witnesses to this, so Solomon is going to have to make a judgment based on his wisdom, the wisdom of God. And uh, he's, there's no cameras or anything like that. So the woman who overlaid the baby accused the other woman and said, no, the living baby is mine, and you overlaid your baby. So basically what they were doing, Jason, is going back and forth saying, no, that's my baby. No, that's my baby. Your baby's dead. So Solomon gives some great wisdom. He says in verse 25, uh, verse 24, he said, bring me a sword. They brought a sword before the king, and the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and in no way slay it. Now, here's what the other woman said. But the other said, Eh, 
Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. This woman actually was willing to let the baby be cut in half. So Solomon judges that the woman who was willing to let the baby be given to the other woman was the real mother because she's showing natural affection. The other woman is showing unnatural affection. She is in an unnatural state. And so Solomon said, this can't possibly be your baby, because if it was your baby, you would not be able to do what you're suggesting. And that's take a sword and cut the baby in half. Now let's go back to Hillary. You want to know why I compare Hillary to this story? She is the woman that has overlaid the child. Have you seen what she has to say about abortion? She believes that conception, or life starts at conception, Jason. And yet, she says that the baby within the womb has less rights than the mother, and the mother has the right to do whatever it takes uh, to survive. Or, and it's never that case, by the way. It is rarely ever the case where a mother's life is, is at stake or the baby's. It's never, hardly ever that case. It happens, but it's rare. But again, like you said, the exception is supposed to disprove the rule. The truth is, is a woman's trying to get rid of this inconvenience. And how unnatural, how much unnatural affection can a woman show than to kill the baby within the womb? This is the worst mother this country could have and as president of the United States. Well, you think about what how the left actually assuages their own conscience with regard to abortion. They try to say it's a tissue mess and things like that. And yet, you know what? Hillary Clinton doesn't even believe that. She believes that life comes about at conception, and she doesn't care. I mean, how evil and wicked just from that standpoint is she? I mean, yeah, she's got a lot of other stuff out there about her, but to knowingly propo- uh, promote a policy of killing children that she admits are human beings uh, for the convenience and for the uh, 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 rights, supposed, that women have to be able to do so, she promotes that. That's just, that's sick, it's demented, and uh, she's a promoter of the greatest holocaust that this world, I believe, has ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. And that of uh, that and again, not only because she's a woman, but because of the position she takes. Um when she made that statement, what difference does it make in regards to the men that were killed at uh, an embassy? Benghazi. At an embassy, an American embassy, guys. Uh, that's just that's, uh, how, how callous can you be towards human life? Then to throw such a careless statement like, what difference does it make? They're already dead. Are you kidding me? An attack on an embassy is an act of war. How can we bury something like that? Because that's on the what fact she is. that she lied in the faces of the families of those who died in Benghazi by saying that it was part of a or it was in a, a protest in response to a video. I don't know if you recall that that's what the talk was all about when it first came out. That was the uh, official stance of the Obama administration, and she just lied in, to, in the face of the American people and to those who had just lost a loved one about the entire issue. How this woman is a serious candidate, is, it befuddles me because of the number of things that uh, – that, are out there about her. But you know what? The wickedness of the left, it knows no bounds. And so it wants to elect someone who's just like them, someone who has no regard for human life, someone that has no regard for personal freedom, someone who has always been self-serving, and somebody that will uh, divide the baby, so to speak, with regard to the United States in order to get her way. Yeah, well, and you know something I see is when a woman gets out of her place 
and uh, she violates God's word, and she gets into the realm of a man. Um, she becomes callous, Jason, cold in the wrong ways. All right? Uh, now, there are men of war in the Bible. David was a man of war, a man who shed blood. And because of that, God said, all right, I'm not going to have you build my house because you shed a lot of blood. But he also, he, he could lead men, and he could understand what needed to die. He understood that balance. He understood his job as a leader. And uh, there's a balance there. But when you get a woman in the wrong place, she'll get callous in the wrong ways. And this is one of those areas. You'd think a woman, of all things, would... Uh, would would be totally against um, abortion, the killing of babies, and so on and so forth. But it's just the opposite. They become callous. Look at Jezebel. Jezebel becomes ruler. Uh, there's another one. Um, uh, Athaliah was another ruler in Israel that, uh, out of her place, took charge over the nation. And both of them were bloody killers, Jason. They were just cold-blooded killers. And yet at the same time, Jezebel, you could see, was loyal to her husband to a certain extent when she wanted her husband to have the land of Naboth, and yet she was willing to kill Naboth in order to do so. I mean, that's unnatural affection. Well, she's loyal to her husband. See, it's unbalanced, though. And that's that's what we get um, when we bring a woman into leadership. You get an unnatural balance. It's wrong. And that's why the Bible says in Isaiah that when women rule over them, uh, the people are caused to err, and children become the oppressors. Well, there was no doubt as to who was actually in charge of Israel at that time, because it was Jezebel that was ordering the people around in yeah. order to get that vineyard. She was ordering people to go and and to, and to kill him, <laughs> and it was under Ahab's seal, yes. But she was operating as the as the power under the seal of the king, and. Um, you know, it, it, a lot has been said over the years about a woman being out of her place, but a woman that seeks ultimate power over a country is a, is a woman who has lost everything that's natural uh, that God has, has put in her to be able to, to raise a family and to care for little children and to be able to labor tirelessly. And, uh, and, and it's a woman who really then has no bounds. That's why somebody like Hillary Clinton can make the statement that she believes that, that uh, unborn babies are children and yet kill them anyway and yeah. uh, because there is no conscience there anymore it, yeah. it's been seared with a hot iron yes but it's been mostly removed there's absolutely no light in a person who is able to go that far and to make statements like that another example in the scriptures is athaliah athaliah um you know, she was loyal to her husband until her husband was killed in Second Chronicles 22. And then she sought to kill all the seed royal. So, I mean, how cold can you be? And that's what she did. She tried to kill everybody. Of course, God has a way of protecting his seed, and he made sure he took care of uh, um, uh, her, her little grandson. And then, um, you know, made sure that uh, he became king at a very early age. And, of course, they did away with her. They killed her. But she was willing to kill. And then we think of in history, like Bloody Mary, another example. She was, you know, she was loyal to her religion, so much so, Jason, that she, and as a leader, she got, became callous, and she killed any opposition to her religion. You know, so she said, well, I love my God, and, uh, and yet at the same time, anybody who opposes her must die, you know? That's an unbalanced leadership, but that's because she doesn't belong there. And then people say, well, what about Queen Elizabeth? And uh, guys, listen, there, there, there are some, no doubt there could be a good queen 
but she don't belong there. And and besides, the the queen now of England, she has no authority. She rules nothing. She just it's just a figurehead, uh, nobility in the blood only, and that's it. She gets, she has nothing, no power. But the point is, is Hillary. Um, she's not nobility. She's a woman out of her place, and um, and she's a great threat to our nation. Yeah, and uh, there's a, a pretty good shot that she's going to end up being our next president. But it uh, looks like Trump's got it under control. Um, like Trump or dislike Trump, uh, he at this point is certainly a better candidate than Hillary Clinton. Although anybody who wins the nomination of one of the major parties is suspect automatically on my part because you don't get there without just a tremendous amount of moral compromise. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, I was just looking at the chat room, Jason. I see that you're commenting on Uncle Nick not being at the meeting. I have to say this to those that are in the chat room. Now, Uncle Nick, you were the reason I am going this year, and you're not going to be there because I have to have a fellow Italian at the conference, guys. And uh, uh, Uncle Nick's not going to be there. That's that's, that's really going to throw me off, man. I, man, I, I that kills me. How could he I do just, this? I know. Turn I, a I know. Minutes into, into lamenting about Uncle Nick not being able to be at the meetings this year. He yeah. is one of my favorite people altogether. Yeah. Now I find out he's not coming to the meetings. I'm going to talk to Pastor Keith Hoover and see if we can just shut him down. Yeah. Because I don't think we can uh, have the yeah. meetings now. No, I mean uh, I can't have just we can't just have one Italian at the conference. We needed two. You know, I needed somebody to sit next to and. Um, Oh, wait, I got my wife being there. Well, I would have sat next to you, Uncle Nick, even if my wife was there. So what can I say? Just for people anyway. paying attention, we keep the Italians in their own section, just so you know. <laughs> uh, anyways, well, folks, we're so glad you tuned in tonight. You've been listening to the Contenders for the Faith. Thump on Hillary Clinton, and she's an easy target, but we've got to do it, guys. It's our responsibility. It's our duty. And speaking of that, New World Order Info with Melissa Roxanne is coming up next. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you next week. from is dead. 
meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit discount gold and silver trading at dgscoins.com. That's dgscoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
Live friends, good evening and welcome to the Covenanters Call. This is Pastor Mike Hoover, and we are broadcasting live from stormy southern Indiana. Matter of fact, just about 15, 20 miles south of our state line, we've already had three tornadoes, lots of damage down there, so you might remember those folks in your prayers. But we are coming to you live. Now, I've, uh, I've been suffering with the flu since about last Friday. I'm just starting to come down off that flu high if there is such a thing. So I'm going to take my time this evening. If I stop and cough a little bit, take a break and drink water, you'll understand. But we're here and we're looking forward to being with you for the next hour. If you want to call us, we are a Bible call-in question and answer program. That number here at American Voice Radio, 1-800-932-1980. Once again, 1-800-932-1980. And uh, also our local call-in number, if you'd like to do that, save a dime for the broadcasting network. That's 541-826-0953. 541-826-0953. We welcome those of you on KU Band Satellite Galaxy 19, Transponder 23, Frequency 12115, and of course all of the other ways and means in which you can listen to American Voice Radio. We appreciate you being here with us this evening. Let me remind you of several things. First of all, um, it's been several weeks since I have been on the air live, but uh, I'd like to share a story with you very quickly and appreciate your prayers. Some of you will remember that have been longtime listeners to the Covenanters call that about three years or so ago, we had a young boy uh, by the name of Caden that uh, passed away in our church family. A little boy had leukemia, and for about 18, the last 18 months of his life, we watched him slowly uh, grow weaker and eventually go home to be with the Lord. Uh, We're thankful that we knew Caden, thankful that he's with the Lord, and we're thankful for his mom and dad and their family. While Caden was in the hospital there in Cincinnati Children's Hospital in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, across town in another hospital, Uh, His mother was giving birth to one of his sisters, little Helen Rose. And uh, Helen Rose is a blue-eyed, toe-headed, beautiful little girl and uh, just a great blessing in our church family. Several weeks ago, uh, little Helen Rose was diagnosed with the same type of leukemia. Uh, The doctor there at the hospital who has worked with tens of, uh, excuse me, with thousands of Uh, Children, as her patients said, this is only the third time in all her career that she's ever seen a sibling in the same family get the same type of leukemia. Well, little Helen Rose began her chemo treatments within the last week, and uh, she's scheduled to be there in Cincinnati Children's Hospital for the next 30 days before they can release her at all. She's doing well. She is uh, three and a half years old, and uh, they've told her parents, that she is in the 90th percentile for possible recovery. So we appreciate your prayers for little Helen Rose. Uh, Keep her mom and dad in prayer. Their names don't matter, but uh, uh, she has a sister and brother and baby brother, and her mother is expecting another child at this time. Uh, This family has been strong in the Lord, and they've gone through a number of things, and we saw a great victory in their lives Uh, as the Lord saw fit to take their little boy, Caden, home just a few short years ago. And now they face another battle, but they are firm in their belief that God is in control. And I know that they would appreciate your prayers. So you'll be praying for them. Then secondly, Lord willing, on Sunday, uh, Brother Ben Warp, man that uh, has known me longer than I have been alive, if you believe that, knew my mother when she was growing up. 
dear friend of ours, worked with him for five years in the ministry. Uh, he's going to be with us here at Stampers Creek Historic Baptist Church beginning Sunday, and then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on those weeknights. And we're looking forward to a good time with Brother Wharton. He has been with us every year, and now as he approaches his 80th year, his eighth decade of life, um, he's one of my favorite preachers. So we'd like to extend that invitation to you. If you are in our area, we'd love to have you come down and be with us. And then remember as well, 6, 7, 8, and 9 of June, uh, the annual Ecclesiastical Law Center Conference up there in Union City, Indiana, where our son, Keith Hoover, is the pastor. And uh, that will be a conference we look forward to. going to be a great time in the Lord there at the Cornerstone Historic Baptist Church. And if you want to hear some preachers that really believe that uh, the church is the church and the civil government has no business sticking its nose in, then this is the conference you need to go to. Listen to me. None of these men speak and have a church that's registered, folks. No 501c3s here. We believe Jesus Christ is Lord of the church, and the government has nothing to do with his church. So that's coming up here soon as well. So we want to remind you uh, of those things. Boy, don't we live in a, in a strange time. I'll tell you what, I, I just got to deal and mention a couple of things to you here uh, before we proceed uh, into our message. But uh, did, you, did you read the article today about the, the Methodist Church? Now, you know, there was a time when the Methodists stood upon the principles and precepts of the Word of God. They no longer do, for the most part. Now, if that bothers you, then I simply suggest that you check them out. Excuse me, dozens of homosexual and lesbian clergy members, 111 of them to be exact, signed on to a letter that protests the United Methodist ban on LGBTs serving in ministry positions. If that doesn't bother you, there's something wrong with you. If you thought this was going to be a politically correct broadcast, then you've turned into the wrong broadcast. One more thing. It's become a great uh, pastime for those out there that would like to revise our history. They do it in many ways. They try and erase the true facts of the history of this country. And by no means am I saying this evening, folk, that our country has always been or was totally a Christian nation. There were people that were godly people that were involved in its beginnings, and there are still a few left today. But one of the ways the revisionists as well try to tear down our history is they, they try to tear down heroes. One of them is a man by the name of Thomas Jefferson. I know Thomas Jefferson had his difficulties. Some would say, well, we shouldn't criticize the Muslims because Jefferson owned the Quran himself. Let me share a little story with you to see. The first nation to recognize my country was Morocco, stated President Obama in Cairo, Egypt, June the 4th, 2009. Morocco began recognizing American colonists in 1625. Governor William Bradford described the incident in the history of the Plymouth Settlement. Two pilgrim ships had been sent back to England carrying dried fish and 800 pounds of beaver skins to trade for supplies. They were well within the English Channel, almost in sight of Plymouth, 
But there she was unhappily taken by a Turkish man of war and carried off to Morocco. Where the captain and the crew were made slaves. Now, by the ship being taken by the Turks, all American trade was dead. Muslim pirates of Morocco raided European coasts and carried away over a million to the North African slave markets, where also tens of millions of Africans were sold into slavery. In 1627, Algerian Muslim pirates, led by Marat Reis the Younger, raided Iceland and carried 400 into slavery. One captured girl who'd been made a slave concubine in Algeria was rescued back by King Christian IV of Denmark. On June 20, 1631, the entire village of Baltimore, Ireland, that has been called the Stolen Village, was captured by Muslim pirates. Only two of them ever returned. Thomas Osborne Davis wrote in his poem entitled The Sack of Baltimore, 1895, The yell of Allah breaks above the shriek and roar. Oh, bless God, the Algerian is Lord of Baltimore. Desk Eakin wrote in The Stolen Village, Baltimore and the Barbaric Pirates, Here was not a single Christian who was not weeping, and who was not full of sadness at the sight of so many honest maidens and so many good women abandoned to the brutality of these barbarians. Kidnapped Englishman Francis Knight wrote, I arrived in Algiers, that city fatal to all Christians, and the butchery of mankind. Moroccan Sultan Moulay Ismail had 500 wives, mostly captured from Europe, and forced 25,000 white slaves, yes, I said white, to build his enormous pallets at McNiff. He was witness killing an African slave just to try out a new hatchet he was given. The Catholic order Trinitarians, or Mathurians, collected alms to ransom slaves. Morocco recognized the new country of the United States in 1785 by capturing two American ships and holding them for ransom. Thomas Jefferson wrote to John Jay in 1787, there is an order of priests called the Mathurans, the object of whose institution is to beg alms for the redemption of captives. They keep members alway in Barbary, searching out the captives of their country, and redeem, I believe, on better terms than any other body, public or private. It occurred to me that their agency might be obtained for the redemption of our prisoners at Algiers. In 1786, Thomas Jefferson wrote to William Carmichael regarding Tripoli's demand for an extortion tribute payment. Mr. Adams and I have conferences with a, or excuse me, had conferences with the Tripolian ambassador named Abdrahaman. He asked us 30,000 guineas for a peace with his court. When Jefferson asked the Muslim ambassador what the new country of America had done to offend them, he reported to John Jay, March the 28th, 1786. The ambassador answered us that it was written in their Quran 
that all nations who should not have acknowledged Islam's authority were sinners, that it was their duty to make war upon them and to make slaves of all they could take as prisoners. Jefferson purchased a Quran to understand the enemy. Nearly 20% of the U.S. federal budget was used to make extortion tribute payments to the Muslim pirates. Yet they still continued their privacy. Excuse me, piracy. When Jefferson became president, he finally sent in the U.S. Navy and Marines to stop Morocco's Barbary pirates. In his first annual message, December the 8th, 1801, Thomas's, Thomas Jefferson stated, Tripoli, of the Barbary states, has come forward with demands unfounded either in right or in compact, and had permitted itself to announce war on our failure to comply before a given day. The style of the demand admitted but one answer. I sent a small squadron of frigates into the Mediterranean with assurances to that power of our sincere desire to remain in peace, but with orders to protect our commerce against the threatened attack. On December 29, 1803, the new 36-gun USS Philadelphia ran aground on Morocco's shallow coast. Muslim pirates surrounded and captured it, imprisoning Captain William Bainbridge and his 307-man crew for 18 months. To prevent the ship from being used by the Barbary Muslim pirates, Lieutenant Stephen Decatur, on February 16, 1804, sailed his ship Intrepid into Tripoli's Pirate Harbor. Decatur set fire to the captured U.S. frigate Philadelphia and escaped amidst enemy fierce, fierce enemy fire. British Admiral Horatio Nelson called it the most bold and daring act of the age. The Army and Marines later captured Tripoli and forced the Pasha to make peace on U.S. terms. Frederick Lanier wrote in The End of the Barbary Terror, Commodore Stephen Decatur and diplomat William Shaler withdrew to consult in private. The Algerians were believed to be masters of duplicity, willing to make agreements and break them as they found convenient. The annotated John Quincy Adams of Bibliography, written by Lynn H. Parsons, contains unsigned essays dealing with the Russo-Turkish War and on Greece, published in the American Annual Register for 1827-28-29. From that, I quote, Our gallant Commodore Stephen Decatur had chastised the pirates of Algiers. The day, Omar Bashal, disdained to conceal his intentions. My power, listen, listen, friends, because this is where we are today. Here's what the Barbary pirate leader had to say. My power, said he, has been wrested from my hands. Draw ye the treaty at your pleasure, and I will sign it. But beware of the moment. When I shall recover my power, for with that moment, your treaty shall be waste paper. The First Barbary War, 1801 to 1805, was America's first war after the Revolution. The Second Barbary War, 1815, gave rise to the Marine Hymn from the halls of Montezuma 
to the shores of Tripoli. These are not simply people fleeing for their freedom. This is a planned, concentrated attempt, once again, by the barbary pirates, if you will, by the Muslims of this world, to come in and take over and demand that you and I, whether be we whether we be white or black, red or yellow, whether we be bond or free, whether we be Baptist or Catholic or Mormon or Jehovah's Witness, whether we be atheist or agnostic, whether we be normal or abnormal, to be placed under their thumb once again. Friends, it's time to pay attention to what's going on. There is such an adverse mentality in our society today that it's no wonder we find ourselves in the place that we're in. We here have been talking about the American evangelist. I've been sharing with you over the last number of months here on this broadcast how the devil and the world in which we live has done its best to deceive those that are in it into believing a lie. The Antichrist is coming, friends. It won't be long. We can see his workings today. We've got a pope, which, by the way, is nothing more than a man in a little white dress. He is not the mouthpiece of God. He is not able to speak ex cathedra. He is not God's representative on the earth. He is a false teacher. Catholicism is a political force, not a religion in any way. But he's pushing for no borders. Hey, just like some of the people in our government. It is borders that God has established, friends. And God established the boundaries of the nations. Read the book of Acts. You'll read about it there. And the major purpose in which God established those boundaries was so that men would seek the Lord. Boundaries are protection. We live in a day and time when they want to tear them down. The church and the pulpits of America have become so dumbed down and so interested in pleasing and appeasing their own flesh and not getting their feelings hurt and being politically correct and making sure the money still comes in and making sure they have all the perks of this life that they have failed to broadcast and cry aloud, as the book of Ezekiel says, to the world in which they live, of the wickedness that's going on. Therefore, when a man calls himself an evangelist, we immediately think, well, this must be a good thing. Friends, did you know that most American evangelists maintain a list of churches they preach in every year? What's the difference between that and a rock and roll group? They have a regular church preaching itinerary. They book these appearances well in advance, months or sometimes even years. The more well-known evangelists easily sustain these lists of churches. They call it their itinerary list. If he's very well-known and in high demand, a church who desires to have him come preach may have a whale of a time getting him to work them into his schedule. Often they must wait a year or two just to be put on his list of churches. Wow. 
Hey, what if the church really needs revival at that very time? What does it do? Does it wait until an entire year has passed before it can get its chosen and desired, quote, evangelist, end of quote, to come revive it? Evangelism? No, friends, it's called merchandising. You see, folk, lost people are where you find them. People that need to hear an evangelist preach because they're lacking salvation from hell are all over the place. You see, our, quote, American evangelist could step outside his door, walk 20 feet, and begin preaching to everyone with an earshot. If he did this, he'd be guaranteed to be preaching to the audience of lost people. The reason for his existence as an evangelist. He would not be required to set up appointments months in advance. He would not be required to travel long distances halfway across the land to meet these appointments either. The worry of having enough appointments to meet his financial needs or obligations would never enter his mind. He could throw away his appointment books, earnings, ledgers, letterhead stationery. Business card. Hey, even his Bible college diploma. Well, perhaps we're intruding into a fit of fantasy there. Let's get back to reality. That is the way things really are. You see, many American evangelists like to mix and match with their itineraries. It kind of breaks the monotony for them. So they may eventually be in demand enough that they can begin the year with a spate of preaching appointments at churches in the sunny south in the springtime when all the fruit and nut trees are in glorious bloom. Then they may preach at a youth camp or a family camp in the gorgeous and pleasant Rockies for the summer for a few weeks before laying on another group of churches in the beautiful, brilliant woodlands of the Northeast in the fall. They may be able to lay out over the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays and spend time with their families or at their home church before they head out once again to round out the year's itinerary. You see, friend, the really in-demand American evangelist often finds that he has his choice of different options. When he first got started, he may have struggled just to get a few churches lined up for four or six months at a time. After a few years on the church circuit and after gaining notoriety and name recognition, he finds he can choose among the largest churches and most fun summer family camps hitting a link at a Bible college or two, making a trip or two overseas to preach for some struggling missionary while he and his family take in the local sites, preaching commencement at a Christian day school, taking or guiding a tour each fall or winter to Israel and the Holy Land, being a headline preacher, preacher at one or two of those national preacher's conferences, and on and on it goes. You see, most of the American evangelists find themselves sticking pretty closely to the church-to-church preaching format. My question is, why is this? Well, friend, the primary reason is the relationship between the preaching ability and income. You see, the American evangelist is a professional preacher. As in professional sports, there are mediocre teams and average teams and better-than-average teams and good teams and the best teams American evangelists fall into the same categories. We're going to take a break here in just a moment. You stay tuned for the second half of the Covenanters call. We're going to talk about those different categories that the supposed 
evangelists that travel back and forth across the country making merchandise of God's people, seeing how much they can get, how much they put into it. You stay tuned for the second half of the Covenanters Call. internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
friends. Welcome back to the Covenanters Call. Once again, this is Pastor Mike Hoover. Our call-in number here at America Voice Radio this evening, 1-800-932-1980. Let me take a moment and encourage you to be a supporter of this broadcasting network. Um, we are not obligated in any way when we are on the this broadcasting network. The airtime is ours. Uh, not obligated in any way to try and promote the broadcasting network nor ask for your support, but I choose to do so because I believe it's worthwhile. I've been on this network now. Frank's going to have to remind me. I know we have been here now in southern Indiana. It will be 10 years uh, in March. And I know we were on the broadcasting network a number of years before we left northern Arizona. So I've been here for a few for a few years. I'm probably the oldest guy broadcast oldest guy broadcasted on this network, other than maybe Frank himself. But um, if you believe it's worthwhile, and that's probably why you're listening, then I encourage you to be a supporter. Would love to hear from you this week. You can write to me, Pastor Mike Hoover, twenty five sixty nine, North State Highway three three seven, Orleans, Indiana four seven four five two. Drop us an email, themuggyown at cleanenter.net. That's T-H-E-M-O-G-O-L-L-O-N at C-L-E-A-N-I-N-T-E-R dot net. Or give us a phone call. That number here is 812-653-5578. And uh, we would certainly love to hear from you. We're talking about the American evangelist, or what has been called the evangelist, and how it really lines up with the Bible. You know, ultimately, folks, that's, that, that's all that matters. And it doesn't matter what you think or I think, or the government thinks, or the religious people or non-religious people around you think. One of these days we'll stand before God. You say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, you will one day. The Bible says, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork, day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So God has given us a testimony of, his, uh, of himself in creation. The complexity of the creation indicates a creator. And on and on and on we could go. It's, it's not my responsibility to convince you. It's simply my job to give you the truth, and that, that's the truth of the matter. And, and if there is a God, as the Bible says there is, and the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment, then we'll all stand before him one day. Then we'll all be believers if we were before we passed from this life, so much the better for us. But if we were not believers when we passed from this life, then we pass into the judgment of God, and we will be judged based upon how we've dealt with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We've either accepted him or we've rejected him. That's your option. You have that option. But you don't have any option when it comes to the time of judgment. You see, that's God's arena. God is the judge. He is the righteous one. And so we simply preach the truth. And therefore, we should compare what is being told to us with what the Bible says. All right, now, we talked about the American evangelists, the fact that they fall into the same categories as sports teams, the best ones, and that, that's the ones that can really preach, the ones that really make an impact on the audience that can, 
deliver their sermons with power and passion and pulpiteering on a consistent basis, they're the ones that gain a good reputation. And let's face it, because of that fact, they have a better income. Therefore, these ones become the evangelists that are in demand. And you must believe that the churches where these men ply their trade look upon them in exactly that same way. The Christians who hear these men preach judge them by their preaching ability. They make decisions about having them back for another preaching visit based on how they preached the first time around. The Christians in churches talk among themselves after Brother So-and-so is gone discussing his preaching ability and how impressed or not impressed they were. Now, is that a wrong thing? Well, folks, it depends on your point of view regarding Brother So-and-so and what he's doing. Most of the church folk to whom he preaches understand at least in a subconscious way, subconscious way, excuse me, that he's really not doing much evangelistic work, that is, preaching to lost people, in order that they might hear the gospel and be saved from an eternity in a real burning hell. The church people don't mind this, though, because either they've bought the lie that the American evangelist is who he says he is and demonstrates himself to be and who they desire him to be, a professional preacher, or their passive denial sets in. It's the old two-by-four concept we've talked about before. So no, it's not, it's not a wrong thing, except that the church folk help to perpetuate the fraud, the pretense regarding who the American evangelist really is and who he's not. You see, if the churches enjoy having professional preachers come by and preach to them, pumping them up spiritually, then that's their business. Surely God would not condemn such an activity. Neither do we. You see, friends, it's the pretense, the fraud, that becomes the sin. But the American evangelist who perpetrates it and the church folks who overlook it make it all right for themselves to continue in it, enjoying it, and allowing it. The issue is not that men go from church to church preaching. The issue is not even that they make their living from that practice. The issue is that they pretend to be someone that they are not. Furthermore, they pretend to be doing a thing, evangelizing, which they do not. So, in terms of making a living, we see the great majority of American evangelists remaining in the vast middle ground area of preaching ability. They stay there, making an adequate, maybe even a comfortable living for themselves from year to year. They stay there running the same church circuit every year, picking up a few and dropping a few here and there. And it's okay with the Christians in the churches where they preach because no one thinks much or deeply about who the American evangelist is and who he really is and who he says he is. They buy the two-by-four. They go home happy. Let me, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard an evangelist make reference to his sugar stick or candy stick sermons? These are the sermons he's delivered in the past, which really 
impact the audience of Christians in the churches he visits. They're his favorites because they do impact the audience and because he knows them best, can deliver them in his sleep, and can spout out the Bible verses without even cracking open his, cracking open his Bible. His sugar stick sermons are his stock and trade sermons. They're the ones that get him invited back to churches. That increase the size of his church itinerary and help ensure his continued income. I see that statement there in the chat room. Frank, you're exactly right. Sounds a whole lot like a lot of Patriot Radio Networks, doesn't it? Be assured, friends, most American evangelists have a set of sermons which are the core of the sermons they preach over and over. I mean, let's face it, there are very few American evangelists that preach new sermons every time they go out preaching. Yes, they may do a variation on the theme from church to church, but completely new sets of sermons are a very rare thing. One might say, so what? Didn't the Apostle Paul preach the same things over and over? How true. Stay with me here. Paul, no doubt, preached the same sermons over and over with little variation in content. But here's the point. Paul preached his sermons to lost people, to different audiences, to people who had never heard the gospel, and not to existing churches full of people that claim to be Christians. The Apostle Paul did not have an itinerary of lost folks that he preached to. Why? Well, there's no such thing. Lost people are where you find them, and you find them all over the place, but very rarely in churches where most American evangelists spend most of their time and energies. Now, let's go back for a moment to the law, to the law of supply and demand. There are fewer and fewer numbers of American evangelists running the circuit these days. It is because the demand is waning. The primary cause of this decrease in demand is a thing the Bible calls the falling away. We, when I say we, I'm speaking of true Bible-believing Christians, are in the middle of this falling away. As churches turn away from God, from His Word, from the pursuit of God, the demand for evangelists decreases. So sad for the evangelists who place their faith and set their minds upon the pretense that we've already spoken of. The pretense is that they are evangelists, but the fact is they are professional preachers preaching in the churches of the land and are merely posing as evangelists. Now, friends, as the churches fall by the wayside, the need or demand or desire for evangelists to come to a revival meeting waxes weaker and weaker. As churches become more worldly and filled with worldly attitudes, then the things they require, run after, and are willing to pay for will be more worldly things. They'll go more and more for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. 1 John chapter 2. They'll begin to eschew or despise professional revival preachers 
and to go to Christian rock bands. Complete with strobe lights and ear-splitting noise and smoke and sensuality galore and other various venues of entertainment such as Christian comedians or the Zig Ziglar type of pump me up for Jesus, inspirational, emotion-charged, doctrine-free preachers. Or they'll rush after the charismatic flesh pots. Or they'll gravitate toward the grinning, slick-haired, Joel Osteen type of preachers who excuse sin by renaming it, denying it, ignoring it, or replacing it with God loves and needs you no matter what you do kind of preaching. And they'll go for fables over doctrine every time. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. Soon, well, probably even now, the most discerning evangelists will discover that they either must change their style of preaching or get out of the business that they wish to continue making a living from preaching to churches from the Bible. You see, friends, soon the American evangelist who earns his keep by going from church to church is going to be forced to compromise if he preaches from the Bible or quit. Listen to me very closely. If American evangelists were really evangelists, they would be out in the hinterlands preaching the gospel to lost people. The number, the percentage of lost people in the good old USA today increases. The fields of opportunity for real evangelists is great and getting greater. However, since the American evangelist is not a real biblical, scriptural evangelist, preaching the gospel full-time to lost people, he's losing his income. He's losing his profession. He's losing his reason for being. Listen to me carefully. He is a parasite making his living off churches. Those churches from whom the evangelist feeds, the ones who like to hear revival preaching from evangelists, are becoming sick. They're growing smaller and smaller. They're less and less able to give large love offerings to sustain the evangelists who attach themselves like a moray eel. While biblical evangelists preach to lost to get them saved, American evangelists preach to save people to get their money. That's called cynicism and fraud. Consider with me this imaginary scenario. What if the rapture occurred tomorrow? Oh, I know, that's that word they say doesn't appear in the Bible, but the catching away principle is taught. What if the rapture occurred tomorrow, carrying away all saved folks from the face of the earth, except for all the men who called themselves American evangelists? Would those men continue to preach in the churches they've been preaching in, which would, after the rapture, be peopled by very few folk? Would they still preach for love offerings? Since they'd no longer be able to make an adequate living from the churches because most of the people in those churches would be gone, would they quit preaching? 
they wake up, come to their spiritual senses, and begin preaching the gospel to lost people, money or no money. You see, if this modified rapture I'm speaking of really occurred, the American evangelists would face a major disruption in their current modus operandi. If, on the other hand, they've been doing the work of an evangelist all along, then there'd be no disruption in their routine, routine whatsoever. Let's talk about money for a moment. You see, the great majority of income for American evangelists originates in a thing known as the love offering. The semantical deception is that because the Christians in the church where the man preaches love him, and love his preaching to them, they will take up an offering growing out of that love to help sustain him in his endeavor to bring them the gospel. Even the gospel, as we allude to it, is a semantical deception, since the audience are mostly saved. So it's not crucially important that they hear the gospel of salvation and or the evangelist often preaches something other than the gospel of salvation, thereby denying the title under which he preaches and operates. Yes, the love offering. Friends, the love offering is a ploy. It is a deception built upon or used in order to cover over other deception. You see, real biblical evangelists preach to lost people. At the beginning of the preaching, they didn't ask those lost people for money. But they did hope and pray for the Holy Spirit to work among those lost people in such a way that many might be saved. American evangelists, for the most part in their church circuit preaching mode, preach among saved people. So the hope, prayers, and desires of those evangelists are not that the saved people in the churches where they preach will get saved over again. That's a ludicrous and silly concept, right? The evangelists do wish to be paid for their preaching, however. So the idea of a love offering is invented. The concept is that since the saved people to whom the evangelist has preached love his preaching so much, they will be willing, even desiring, to give him money for preaching to them. The first deception is this. Although the evangelist is not doing what the Bible commands a true evangelist to do, he is performing a vital service to God's people by preaching to them in their churches, by bringing revival to them, by charging up their drained spiritual batteries. The second deception designed to aid and abet the first is this. Since the evangelist is doing such a wonderful thing by building up the churches he preaches in, it is the church people's blessing to give him money for doing this wonderful thing. Hence the love offering. The subterfuge is quite subtle. So subtle that churches adopt it and cling to it as if it were scriptural, blessed and ordained by God, and at the foundation of what the church of Jesus Christ is to be on the earth. I have one word for that. Balderdash. Now understand, please, all this arises because the American evangelist who participates in this sort of charade is failing to be a real biblical, scriptural evangelist. 
It's because he's perverted the meaning, the mode, the method, the message of the Bible evangelist to suit his own desires. And those are the church folks who like to hear him preach to, sing to, or entertain them. The love offering is only another aspect of an already twisted, rebellious, and perverted concept regarding bringing the good news of the gospel to the lost people of the world. Let's pursue a few other aspects of this love offering idea. Understanding that it is only rebellion, compounding rebellion. Who decides which American evangelist preaches at any particular church? Is it the pastor? Yes, it is in many cases. Well, how does the pastor decide which evangelist to invite? Well, friends, this is certainly a valid question, since the presumed notion for getting an evangelist in the first place is with the hope of bringing some sort of spiritual revival to the church folk. Perhaps the pastor knows personally a man whom he wishes to invite. Perhaps he's heard from other pastors of Brother So-and-so and his great pulpit ability, and that sways him to invite Brother So-and-so. Perhaps Brother So-and-so sends the pastor a letter on his evangelistic ministry-led letterhead asking for the privilege to come preach at his church. Or he calls him on the phone. And he asks him for the opportunity to preach. It's a very common method that's used by evangelists to get business today. In the letter of request or during the phone conversation, you may be assured that the evangelist will inform the pastor of which churches he's preached at in the past. Now, why would he do that? He'd do that to build his case, to establish his credibility to ensure that the pastor might have confidence in his preaching ability and his ability to charge up his people, that is, to do the job he's hired to do. The pastor knows a few of the pastors at churches where the evangelist has preached before. He may call one or two of them to get an idea from these other pastors what they think of Brother So-and-so and his preaching ability, his doctrinal stance, his style, presence of his commands, if he plays golf, and so on. What do you think? Does any of this process have anything whatsoever to do with real, biblical, scriptural evangelizing? That is, taking the gospel to lost people to see them saved from an eternity in hell? No. Not hardly. The American evangelist. Is he what the Bible says he's supposed to be, or is he, once again, just fraud? That's what we've been talking about for the last number of weeks here on the Covenanter's Call. We need to know what the Bible says. It's about time we stop giving in to the charlatans. It's about time that we simply follow the Bible. So that when people question us of the hope that lies within us, we've got the right answer. It's about time we stopped championing individuals that supposedly fill a place in the church that doesn't exist. 
that supposedly do a job that God never created. It's about time we simply follow the Word of God. This is the Covenanter's Call. I'd love to hear from you this week. You please write to me, Pastor Mike Hoover, 2569 North State Highway 337 in Orleans, Indiana, 47452. Drop me an email. The Muggy On, T H E M O G O L L O N, at C L E A N I N T E R dot net. The Muggy On at Clean Internet, or give me a call at number 812 653 5578. Remember the meeting coming up this week. If you're in southern Indiana or any place nearby, we'd love to have you come visit with us. You can contact me through that. Information, go to our church website, www.historicbaptists.net, and get more info. We'd love to meet you folk. Remember the meeting taking place just a couple of weeks now up in Union City, Indiana, Cornerstone Historic Baptist Church. We'll look forward to seeing you there. I appreciate you tuning in the broadcast. Uh, Lots of other good information coming on, more tremendous programming. Some of the most renowned show hosts on American Voice Radio are coming on after this broadcast. There's no way you shouldn't stay tuned. I encourage you to listen in. Be a supporter of American Voice Radio. Well, we made it through this broadcast. Had to cough and hack a few times and drink a bunch of water and suck on a cough drop, but we made it. So I appreciate your prayers. I hear the music. Until we meet you again on the airwaves, may God bless you, our prayer. function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. show guys for Thursday as I squint to see the date although I should already know it it is the 12th day of May 2016 it is now four minutes past the two o'clock hour and again I'm out here on the west coast up here in the state of Washington in my not so cozy makeshift studio because it is warming up quite a bit and it gets a bit stuffy in here so I have my little cheap fan pointed directly at me this afternoon. Hopefully that will keep me cool, along with my uh, pitcher of ice-cold water that I will uh, often uh, go to. Okay, so what else? You're listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. That means you can go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. That's the website for this network, and there you can 
uh, scroll down or scroll over or look to the left or wherever that chat link tab is and click it and get into the chat room. You can ask questions, as Frank likes to say, and so forth, and I will attempt to keep up. Uh, what else? You can go to my website, conditioncriticalshow.com, and you should, because I am going to be talking about a, uh, a couple of things this afternoon, of which I have posted some blog posts uh, last night. Uh, yeah, so you should check that out, conditioncriticalshow.com. Uh, that you, 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 when you go to conditioncriticalshow.com, just uh, click on the blog tab or whatever, and it'll take you to my blog. Keeping in mind also that if you scroll the whole way down, you will see a donate button. And as I like to say, anything would help. More importantly, uh, visit that donate link, donate button on the AmericanVoiceRadio.com. Go there, because that's more important. Click that and donate $5. I'm sure Frank would appreciate it. Uh, and so would I. Okay, so where to start off today? Well, uh, you know, I, I don't tend to have themes for my show, but today there's kind of going to be kind of a theme. And let's just call it the Ted Nugent theme, okay, because when we go into the break, there's going to be two Ted Nugent songs. And, and normally I just I wouldn't really, you know, mention it. I would just, you know, have Frank play the music and you guys would enjoy it. But again, I have it's the Ted Nugent theme. Uh, the first song he's going to play isn't necessarily related to what I'm going to talk about today, but I thought you guys might find it interesting because it was the, uh, it was the song, actually, that Bill Clinton uh, dedicated to Hillary at their wedding. And it's, I found it. I just stumbled across that on the Internet uh, last night, and I was very surprised. I'm like, wow, I've, I didn't know that, uh, that uh, Bill Clinton was a Ted Nugent fan. And how, how, how I mean, how touching, you know, is it that did he donate or not donated? He dedicated a, a Ted Nugent song to his beautiful blossoming bride, otherwise known as Hillary Clinton. Anyway, so look forward to that going into the break. And I do have a lot to cover today, and I only have an hour to do so. So let's just start off with that. So Ted Nugent, you know, I guess, well, you know, he. According to the lefty loons out there, hold on, I'm a bit distracted. I got to pull this up. Hold on. Let me let me get this up here. Da, 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 here it is. This one? Yeah. Apparently, uh, according to the left, Ted Nugent, and here's the headline. Let's just start from there. The headline is, NRA's Ted Nugent sparks yet another ugly controversy, and this is from uh, MSNBC. Well, so there you go, MSNBC. Again, the headline is NRA's Ted Nugent sparks yet another ugly controversy. So I'll just start off. About four years ago, about four years ago at this time, Ted Nugent, a musician, reality show personality, and National Rifle Association board member, was doing his best to help Mitt Romney get elected. And, you know, I remember that, and he was misguided there, but oh well. Uh, appearing at the NRA's national convention, Nugent said, if Barack Obama becomes the president in November, again, I will either be dead or in jail by this time next year. We need to ride into the ba that battlefield and chop their heads off in November. Any questions? He then went on to say, it isn't the enemy that ruined America. It's good people who bent over and let the enemy in. And he's right about that. And he further went on and said, if the coyote's in your living room pissing on your couch, it's not the coyote's fault. It's your fault for not shooting him. I can't disagree with that either, Ted. Uh, let's see. And it goes on. The comments, not surprisingly, generated a uh, Secret Service investigation. I, I guess they had to do that. And it goes on now. Four years later, Nugent has a, a new target, but he appears to have learned very little. Media Matters noted this week, and here, here's, the, uh, 
Here it is from Media Matters. National Rifle Association board member Ted Nugent, who will deliver a speech at NRA's annual meeting this month, shared a fake video that depicts Hillary Clinton being graphically murdered by Bernie Sanders with a handgun during a presidential debate. In a May 10th post on his Facebook page, Nugent shared a video with the descriptions, Bernie Sanders destroys Hillary Clinton in debate on Vermont gun laws, and Bernie Sanders absolutely killed Hillary over this issue. And that's from Media Matters. Now, the article goes on. The video takes footage from a recent debate between Clinton and Sanders, but it's manipulated to show Sanders shooting Clinton in the chest, complete with animated blood spurt. Just to be clear, Nugent does not appear to have created the video, but he helped disseminate it through social media, and he endorsed it with his poorly written message. I got your gun control right here, bitch. That was a quote from Ted Nugent, I guess, as some kind of a, a tag onto that video. All of this comes nearly nine years after Nugent, commenting on Clinton's first presidential campaign, delivered an onstage rant in which he pointed to his gun and said, Hey, Hillary, you might want to ride one of these into the sunset, you worthless bitch. Again, uh, Ted Nugent's words, not mine. I can appreciate why it's tempting to ignore Nugent's nonsense. As entertainers in the public eye go, we're talking about a guy who hasn't had a hit single since the Carter administration. So it's safe to say his cultural relevance has faded into obscurity. Now, that's kind of the, ju- the, the jux of why I'm talking about this. Because if, in, in their own words, in their own words, they're saying on one hand that uh, Ted Nugent is just an irrelevant has-been, right? But apparently he's not, right? I guess because at the other side of their mouth, you know, they're complaining about another controversy that, that he stirred up. So to me, if he's, ir- if he's irrelevant to you guys, to you lefty loons, why do you care what he has to say then, right? I, I kind of I equate it or parallel it to the atheists out there. You know those atheists, those wacky, fun-loving atheists out there uh, that don't believe in God, but yet those are the same people that want God and Jesus Christ completely, entirely removed from the public sector, from the public eye. So that begs the question also of, hey, man, you don't believe in them. So what difference does it make to you? Well, because, and I've said this before, they do believe in them. In fact, they're scared of them. And they can, you know, and they can deny that all they want. Again, because otherwise, why would they care if, you know, the Ten Commandments were, you know, on a plaque in front of City Hall or something like that? And then getting back to Ted Nugent, if he's so irrelevant, again, in their own words, and I'll repeat those words, what's it say here? As entertainers in the public eye go, we're talking about a guy who hasn't had a hit single since the Carter administration. And hey, that's, that's fair, actually. That's a fair statement. So it's safe to say his cultural relevance has faded into obscurity. Well, there you go. So why do they give a flying jack rip about what Ted Nugent has to say? I don't know. It just begs the question. I guess I could finish with the article. Uh, let's see here. Now, there's not much left. I'll just finish. Nugent is, however, a board member of the NRA. Now, this is important here, too. This is something that caught my eye as well. Now, follow me on this. I'll start this paragraph over. Nugent is, however, a board member of the NRA, a group of Senate Republicans, which is a group. Hold on a second. Nugent is, however, a board member of the NRA, a group Senate Republicans believe should have veto power over Supreme Court nominees. Did you hear that? Well, hey, uh, lefty loons, uh, newsflash, you believe, you believe uh, that your, what, your groups like Planned Parenthood or, or you know, some other uh, evil, you know, communist, socialist, uh, anti-American group uh, should have veto power over Supreme Court nominees, right? I mean, uh, am I missing something here? Do 
they not think that Planned Parenthood, they, they trump them up all the time? That's like the litmus test, if you will, for a Supreme Court nominee. Do they support, are they, you know, for Roe versus Wade, and will they support Planned Parenthood, and blah, blah, blah? Well, hey, man, the NRA, you know, what's fair is fair, right? I'm just asking. I'm just asking, you know, because I'm just a truck driver sitting over here, <laughs> you know. It goes on, and he remains a prominent partisan activist in right-wing circles. Now, I'm sorry, how does he remain a prominent partisan activist in right-wing circles if he's irrelevant? And again, there it is. Cultural relevance is faded into obscurity. You catch my drift? Do you see something odd about this or some hypocrisy or some, you know, maybe they didn't, you know, have somebody read this article before they, you know, posted it online? Don't you think somebody would have said, oh, hey, uh, what's, the, what's the guy's name here? Let's see who, who generated this. Steve Bennon. <laughs> Excuse me. Somebody should have went to Steve and said, uh, hey, Steve, man, you see what you're doing here? No, no. And then, then pointed out to him, right? I mean, one would think that these people have people, okay, you know, in their, you know, sphere of influence that would say, hey, man, that you're not making any sense with that article. Well, I'll continue on with it, though, because there's really not much left. Uh, and, okay, indeed, let's not forget that in 2012, Mitt Romney actively sought and eventually earned Nugent's personal endorsement after a private discussion between the two men. It closes out this year. Nugent is a high-profile, very, once again, high-profile Trump supporter. I don't understand how he's high-profile high if he's, you know, faded off into obscurity, who also happens to be promoting videos on which Hillary Clinton is killed. At least the Secret Service knows how to reach him if agents have any questions. That's, okay, clever. There you go. That's clever. Anyway, I just thought I would share that with you. I came across, and I don't know how I came across that. Actually, I do. I was just Googling an image of Ted Nugent. And you know how you do that on Google, and all these things pop up. And, and well, it was like the first hit. And I'm like, wow, is that, is that new, old, what? Well, it's, it's new. Uh, when did this come out? Uh, let's see. The 12th. So what, what is it? Well, I don't That's today, I guess. It's today. No, yesterday it came out, the 11th. There we go. Anyway, guys. Just thought I would share that with you this afternoon. And I do have a little bit of time left here. So let me. Now, I want to go on to something else. I, I, I want to bring up now. I want to go back, if you will, to let me find it here. Where is it? The real story, that one. Uh, give me a second here. Uh, hold on, guys. Here it is. This is it. Yeah. I want to go back to the. Uh, the uh, shooting that took place at, a, at the abortion clinic there, the baby murder clinic, and where was it? In, in Colorado Springs or in Denver. You remember that? Uh, the fellow, what's his name? Robert Lewis Deer Jr. Well, he's in the news again. Uh, and, you know, just, again, you know, when you read these articles, it, it, it's just, you know, when you're aware, it, you can just, you can just point, you know, you can just see the, you know, the, the, there's something off kilter about this. And, and, you know, when they call us conspiracy theorists and all that, well, you know what? I mean, there, there's a, you know, there's, there's some truth to that. I mean, you, you know, there, there's some, there's some, I don't know, there's some depth or some, some relevance to that. I mean, we're, we're not just a bunch of kooks out here. Okay. Because in their own words, you know, they, they kind of expose themselves. <coughs> Excuse me. Here's the headline. This is from USA Today. Planned Parenthood shooting suspect found incompetent to stand trial. Now, that's the headline. The headline again, once again, Planned Parenthood shooting suspect found incompetent to stand trial. Now, and then, you know, there's a picture of him. There's some audio. I'm not going to play that. The, uh, the, the kind of caption 
at below the uh, the audio is Robert Louis Beer Jr., the man who admitted to killing three people at a Planned Parenthood in Colorado, has been found incompetent to stand trial. A judge has ordered him to undergo now get this to undergo restoration treatment at the state hospital or at a state hospital. So a judge has ordered him again to undergo restoration treatment. What the hell is that? And and now here's something else. Here's something else. If he's so incompetent, and, well, this judge says he is to stand trial, wouldn't that make him incompetent to admitting to killing people at a Planned Parenthood, a baby murder clinic? See, they can't have it both ways. He's either incompetent or he's not. He can't be competent enough to admit to killing people, right, and then, on the other hand, be incompetent to stand trial. Am I wrong? <clears throat> I'm just asking the question, guys. Am I wrong? I can read from the article because it's very... It's very telling. And the headline, again, you know the headline. This is uh, out of Colorado Springs. The man who admitted to killing three people uh, at a Planned Parenthood clinic here was found incompetent to stand trial Wednesday and indefinitely, indefinitely, it's saying, confined to a state mental hospital. Okay, you follow me now. A state mental hospital. And here again, it goes on. Two state, state-appointed doctors said Robert Louis Deere Jr. suffers from the delusion that the federal government has persecuted him for more than 20 years for his anti-government and anti-abortion beliefs. Uh, well, what do you think? What do you think? And look, man, when you see a picture of this guy, he's obviously freaking hopped up on something. Obviously hopped up on something. Uh, what do we got going on here? Oh, hold on a second, guys. Okay. I was checking some. It appears that my, uh, what is it? Uh, it appears that my Yahoo Messenger, at least Frank's, has crashed because he, he went offline on Yahoo. So, okay, I'll continue on with this. Uh, oh, now Frank's back. Okay. Where was I? Da, da, da. Yeah, because this is just, this is unbelievable. And again, uh, what do you guys think? It goes on. Judge uh, Gilbert Martinez on Wednesday accepted those findings and, and ordered Deer, and I've already said this, to undergo, un- now, I didn't say this to undergo unspecified restoration treatment at a state hospital. What is that? What is that? I, you have to ask. In a court order issued Wednesday, Martinez wrote that experts determined Deere suffers from delusion, delusional disorder, perse- persecutory type, whatever that means, uh, during psychiatric evaluation. Martinez wrote, Deere engaged in a somewhat rambling monologue that was confusing to follow, and he often lapsed into significantly paranoid ideas about him being targeted for persecution by the federal uh, authorities, by federal authorities. Well, uh, you know, I tend to think that, you know, he's, he's not delusional, okay? But since they've got him all hopped up and they're presenting him as, you know, like some kind of a whack job, I mean, just look at the picture of the guy. You just Google uh, the, the article. The headline is, and it's from the USA Today. Uh, I'm not reading this from my computer, so I can't uh, post the link for you, but you can find it very easily yourself. And I'm sure you can find many pictures of this guy because they want that they want that image out there. They want that image out there that this guy's hot. That like he's look at look see he is he's really a he's whacked out just like James Holmes, the alleged Colorado uh, movie theater shooter, alleged again as I said alleged. Now I don't know a whole lot about that. You know I, I followed it when it you know obviously when it first happened. Uh, but as I remember, there was a whole bunch of conflicting reports about who the shooter was or about how many shooters there were. And there just were. And people said things like, man, I, I saw 
you know, I saw people like going, coming through the side doors with armed with rifles and, and such, not just James Holmes. Right. But see, that's who they want you to believe did what, you know, did it. And so to advance their, you know, that theory, they got, they have James Holmes. Every time you see him, he's got like orange hair. Right. And he's got like this freaking wild freaking eyed look on his face that he's obviously hopped up on something. Obviously they got him hopped up on something. So is it fair to say that both of these guys, that both of these guys, okay, are being, (laughs) being, well, I would call it torture. Would you not call it torture that these guys are being tortured? I don't, and for what purpose? Well, you you know, I'll, I'll leave that for my listeners and for the rest of you out there, uh, you know, to decide that way, uh, you know, I won't, you know, cloud your judgment. I don't want you to, I don't want, you know, uh, to help you draw any conclusions that, you know, or my own. So hold on a second. Okay. I had to reach for my water. So there you go, guys. That's just what time is it? Okay. I have time, a little bit of time before the break. I, it's just unbelievable. I could, I guess I could just continue on with the story, but I, I guess I really don't need to, uh, da, 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 da. no, it's just a bunch of stuff that, uh, doesn't really need to be, you know, pointed out because the two important things that needed to be pointing out again are, you know, and it, and, and it's just, it's just very telling, guys. You know, he's confined to a state mental hospital, and the only, and, you know, the only doctors that, you know, examined him uh, were state-appointed doctors. You know, uh, now as his lawyer, I would have to, I would have to petition to the court to say, okay, you've had your chance. You have state-appointed doctors. Now, what do you think those state-appointed doctors are going to say? Do you think two state-appointed doctors are going to go against the state? Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think if one of those state-appointed doctors said, hey, man, this guy's not crazy. I'm telling you, he's not. I've talked to him. What do you think would happen to that doctor? Well, at a minimum, uh, they would get a different doctor, at a minimum. Okay. But I think something far worse would happen, like he would die in a one-car accident, or he would commit suicide by shooting himself in the head twice. So, again, I would have to, if I were his lawyer, I would say, you know what? Uh, I'm petitioning the court. And we're going to get a couple of private doctors, you know, our own, our own. Let's see what they say. Isn't that how things are supposed to work in this country? You know, that's generally how these things work or should work. That's called arbitration and all this kind of stuff. And right. But no, no, these people just get railroaded and they get railroaded to prove a point and to advance the government's agenda. And in this case, the government's agenda is baby murder, is the promotion of abortion, which is abhorrent. And, and, and that's just a fact. Now, James Holmes, I think that they're, no, I don't think, I know what their agenda was there. That's their anti-gun agenda. You know, they'll do anything. They will do anything up to and including murdering American citizens to advance their, uh, you know, their, their misguided, you know, beliefs on gun control. That's just a fact. They want nothing more than to render the Second Amendment, along with all the other ones, uh, useless. And see, they can't just do it, though, right? They can't just one day, they can't just, you know, by executive order or anything, they can't just come out and just, no more Second Amendment, no more First Amendment, no more Fourth, Fifth, and all the other ones, right? But, but, but what they can do, and they're certainly doing it with free speech, okay, is that they're just effectively rendering the First Amendment useless with a whole bunch of hate speech uh laws and hate speech ordinances and you can't say this here and you know you can't post something on facebook if it if it doesn't agree with this and you can't you know post something on twitter if it doesn't agree with that right you can't search something from google if you're searching for this or that 
right? It's, it's like free speech for thee and not free speech for me, that whole kind of mantra. Am I wrong? You know, I don't think so. I don't think I'm wrong. And now, now, this is important. It's working, okay? I don't think any one of us can say that it's not working because it is working. And, it, it, and, a, and pretty effectively, I, may, I might add. Why? Well, because like Ted Nugent said, the coyote's in our house pissing on our couch, and we're not killing him. We're just letting them walk in. We're going to waltz right in, you know, along with the rest of them, the other wild animals. And they're, they're not just pissing on our couch. They're, they're pooping on it, too. And they're everywhere. They're marking everything. Because we, the, the people, we, the people, oh, geez, where did that come from? Where did I get that? We, the people. Hmm. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, but I'm, it's slipping my mind. Slipping my mind. We, the, the Constitution. Yeah, yeah. Remember that pesky little document? Where is it? Here it is. Here's the pesky little document right here in my hand. Hear that? I don't know if you can hear that. Anyway, we just have to do more, guys. I talk about it every day on my show. So I guess that would be every week, twice a week. I try and get this look like Frank just did on his show. I hope you guys were listening to Frank's show. He talked about controlling the narrative. And you know what? I have to agree with him. Uh, about this whole nationalism thing versus like Americanism, I do. I mean, because it just it makes perfect sense, and it and it and see when things make perfect sense, that's because they're true, and it is true that nationalism has has been tainted, you know, and it is the first thing. It's like a it's like a it's you know it's like a, there's some kind of a mechanism, right? There's like a mechanism that goes off in people's in people's feeble freaking brains when they hear that. Oh, Hitler, Nazi, Nazi, swastika, bad, bad, uh, six million Jews dead, right? Exactly. Right. And so I think it's pretty clever, actually, to call it Americanism, because, yeah, who's going to go against that? But hey, but hey, and now this is important to note. You know, they don't really like that either. There's uh, I was Googling some things for my blog uh, about, you know, Eric Holder. And there was an interview he did. I don't know what it was Fox News. I, I don't recall. It's about a five minute interview or something like that. And he mentioned several times in this interview how. People that say things like uh, take America back or, you know, we want America back again or, you know, things along that nature. He and he, he I mean, he flat out said it, that people that say that are flat out racist. He did say that. And it's just unfreaking believable. The gall of these people. Now, I know Eric Holder's gone, you know, from the public eye, but that doesn't mean that his influence still isn't there and that we shouldn't be talking about it. Because it is, and it is relevant to keep talking about it and to keep exposing these bastards for who they are, okay? You know, I watch that, and I'm like, you whiny little bitch, you know? You think, you think you guys are the only, you think you're the only attorney general that has, you know, been criticized? We are wrong. Well, we're at the break. Now, this first song, again, is dedicated to Bill Clinton uh, because it's the song he played at uh, his wedding. He dedicated it to his wife at his wedding. And I don't hear the music chiming in yet, so I might be a little early. There it is. See you after the break.
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
Oh, okay. That ended abruptly. Anyway, that was Ted Nugent there. Hope you enjoyed those songs. A bit of slam music there. Sorry about that, Andrew. Well, let's continue on. Now for something a little bit different. And uh, what I'm about to present to you next, guys, is just a, it's, it's important. It's a good illustration about, you know, the, the type of people uh, that, are in our, that are in our government, okay, and, and in every facet of our government. And the one in particular, excuse me, uh, uh, organization, if you will, that, that I'm referring to now is the public school system. Out here in the state of Washington, uh, there's, you know, there's elections all over the place, obviously. Well, one of the uh, elections, if you will, out here in the state of Washington is, uh, what do they call it, the, the chief or something of public instruction? Or no, maybe it's the super. I think it's the superintendent of, for public instruction, or in other words, the superintendent of public schools. Okay, so uh, there's a the fellow in there right now. Is, his name is Randy Dorn, and I guess there's more than one person running against him. But there's one in particular that uh, this fellow Dave Ross. I played his commentary on here before. Uh, in, interviewed. Her name is Aaron Jones, spelled Aaron E. Was it E R I N? Yes, Aaron Jones. And so he's interviewing her, uh, you know, on the radio. And I heard this was the other day. So this would have been uh, Monday, Monday. Yeah. So it would have been Monday morning on my drive home uh, in my car. I, I was listening, you know, to this and I was just stunned. So and I thought I would play it for you, you know, because these these are the kind of people, man. These are the kind of people that are in our public schools. So now let me Department cue this up. Could have a much needed PR oh, win on this project. A was it a me... desperate need? It was playing, and uh, I wasn't aware of that. Let me go back just a bit, guys, right to about here. Now, check this out. Now, again, this is Dave Ross from Cairo Radio interviewing Erin Jones. She's running for superintendent of public instruction. So here we go. May 9th, Dave Ross with Colleen O'Brien. The top spot in the state's public education system is up for grabs this year with several candidates competing to replace Randy Dorn. Superintendent of Public Instruction. We've been shaking hands with the candidates one at a time. Today, Erin Jones. Actually, I couldn't shake hands because she's been pretty busy campaigning. So I got her on the cell phone in a coffee shop. She's trained as a foreign language teacher and has worked in the superintendent's office. Here she is, Erin Jones. You have a very interesting family history. First of all, you were born in which, <laughs> what country? Where'd you grow up? Well, I was born in the United States, adopted, and then raised in the Netherlands. Raised in the Netherlands. And then you yourself adopted your daughter, who is actually your sister's daughter? That's my sister-in-law's daughter. Sister-in-law's so my daughter. Husband's, yeah. My husband's younger sister's daughter. Right. And uh, so you have raised her and went on to learn how many languages yourself? I speak four. Four languages. You were a foreign language teacher for a while. You, yes. you have worked in the uh, SPI's office, haven't you? I did, yes. So I was the director of the Center for the Improvement of Student Learning, which is basically the the Family Engagement Cultural Competence Arm of OSPI that doesn't exist anymore. Oh, well, and then I um, went on to work as the assistant superintendent for Randy Dorn on his cabinet for three years. Right. And what do you think? What's the number one job that you, you think needs doing as a superintendent of public instruction in this state? So I think really reframing the beauty of teaching as a profession, the beauty of our public schools, I think public schools are really being beaten up, particularly in the media across the nation. This is not a Washington State issue. Mm -hmm. This is a national issue with all the testing that's happening. You know, we love to point out how everyone is failing instead of talking Sounds about like the great things that are happening in schools and the reality that 
if we just look at Washington State, we have so many more, hundreds of thousands of kids that are, who are living at or below the poverty line. So when we talk about what schools are doing, they have been given the Herculean task of not only preparing students academically, but preparing students who don't have enough food at home, who don't know where they might be living the next day. We have all these other things that schools have now become responsible for. Well, one would beg the okay. One would have to beg the question: Why? That's not what schools for. That's not what public schools are for. You know, to feed starving children, is it? But see, this is how they've done things. This is how they've taken things. You know, obviously the public schools have been completely uh, culturally taken over by Marxists, and this woman is a classic example of it. I'll let it continue on. And I really want to reframe that great schools are not just the responsibility of a classroom teacher or a principal or a school district superintendent, that we as community, as Washington State, need to wrap our arms around our schools and our students and and make sure that we all contribute to this process because it can't just be – I'm very aware that as state superintendent, I don't get a magic wand to just make everything better. Where we are in education right now is really complex. It's really complicated, and the solutions, I believe, are really complicated. Let's talk about the biggest problem. That's uh... how, how is it complicated there, as Frank refers to her Barbie girl, and she she does it. It's embarrassing. She needs to not talk like that if she wants to be taken seriously. I believe. Uh, yeah, I'll let it continue on. Certainly facing Washington schools in terms of policy, and that is of course funding. The legislature has to find a way to raise at least, I think, four billion dollars is what it is. I think it's more than that, actually. Now, what's, what's your figure? I think if we're going to really take care of basic education in the ways that we say we wanted to and actually fund the bills that have been passed, I think it's going to take more like $10 billion because we passed a $10 billion? $10 billion to fund public schools in the state of Washington. I mean, that's like the, the GDP of some small nations out there, is it not? $10 billion. That's what, the, that's, what these, that's what these loons want. Well, to have full-day kindergarten, we haven't funded that. We passed a bill for smaller class sizes. We haven't funded that, and that requires funding not only additional teachers but also additional classroom space. That's, that's capital budget. All right. So the sales tax and the property tax are not going to pay for that. <laughs> no, so um, <laughs> what would you propose? So, I, I mean, I think we really, we really need to look at a more progressive tax system. So, right a more progressive tax system. You heard it here first. Now, the poorest people are really paying the, the greatest percentage in That's taxes. Nonsense. And so I think we need to get honest at a state about who who needs to be contributing. Um, you know, I come from a social democracy. So the Netherlands is a socialist country that votes for their leader. So it's not socialist like communist at all. But uh, It's not socialist like communist? Uh, it was a nice try. That, that was a nice try, but uh, fail. You know, we have high taxes, and but you can see where your taxes go. So you see the schools, all of education is paid for from kindergarten all the way through your PhD, if you want that. You can see the people cleaning the streets, and we see our taxes. So, you know, in the Netherlands, my parents are paying probably 40% of their wages in, in taxes. Mm-hmm. And, and to Americans, 40%. you know, we feel like that's such a burden, but I, we could see where those taxes were going. It's going to take a heavy lift to get the United States there. So I don't think we're going to go there. Um, However, I think we need to be really honest about who is paying taxes and making sure that 
the wealthiest are also contributing in a fair way. Well, that sounds like an income tax. That sounds like an income tax to me. You know, we're one of the only states that doesn't have one. And I think be really honest about if we do want great schools and we want social services, we, we have to be willing to pay for them. They're not, they don't just come out of the ground. We have this expectation that the government will just do these things for us. Well, really, the government is us. It's all of us. The democracy is all of us. So we all need to be contributing to that. I think we also need to have an honest conversation about who gets to benefit from tax loopholes. I find as an educator, it's a bit ironic that the very companies who are complaining the most about not having enough STEM students prepared after high school or college are the same companies that are not paying any taxes. So, oh, That's nonsense. I'll let it end there because it's pretty much the end of the interview. But now there you go. It's, that's pretty retarded, I, I would have to say. This, this person, is, is, she sounds pretty retarded. And it's, it's it, or at least moronic, her, her beliefs and all that. But this is, this is the type of person that is, and she is in our government uh, here in the state of Washington. She's not yet the superintendent for public instruction. And I can't imagine that people would vote for this person after hearing this interview because she is totally off the rails. But again, uh, it's like it's the whole two yards or three yards guys in a cloud of dust. You know, they, they'll, they'll take a little bite at a time and they're, they're okay with that. You know, they're, they're comfortable. They're, with that. They're very patient, you know, with, with that, you know, process, if you will, you know, just a little bit at a time, <clears throat> you know, a little bit at a time, they keep nipping away and they just keep like nipping away, nipping away, you know? Uh, and at first it wasn't so much, you know, maybe at first it was like a two inches, right. In a cloud of dust. But over time, you know, I think now we're up to like uh, seven and a half yards in a cloud of dust. You follow me? And that's because for the most part, and it's just, just the fact for the most part, <clears throat> they've been able to do this pretty much unimpeded because the American people, once again, we have, we have sat on our hands and we have just, you know, you know given away, I guess, uh, our responsibilities to, to rein in our governments, uh, you know, to make our governments work for us and to, to shrink our governments to where they should be, to where they need to be, <clears throat> and to where they were supposed, you know, to where they're supposed to be in the first place, which are small, very small. Government you know, inherently should be small and only do minimal things, you know, because anytime, and again, and it's just a fact, anytime you let somebody else continue to do things for you and continue to do things for you, th that entity will get bigger and get bigger and get bigger. And is that not what we have right now? You know, we have a federal government that is just, it's unbelievable. It, the, the critical mass that it has become it, it is, it's nearly now, it's, it's nearly, uh, going to be impossible to to stop it or or to shrink it, but we have to start somewhere. How much time do I have? I have time. We have to start somewhere. We have to start nipping this in the bud. You know, I, I, and it's again, it's like it's a call to action. You know, I'm sure there are things like this. <clears throat> I'm sure there are people like this. You know, in your state government. And you should be paying attention to those people and then writing them a letter or calling your state representative or your state senator, uh, you know, and, and, and saying, hey, man, uh, you, you can't we can't allow this loon, this lefty loon uh, to, to be, you know, in office. We, you have to do something about it, you know, because at the end of the day, if she gets in there now, she will just be another. Well, I guess she wouldn't be unelected anymore. She would be, uh, you know, an elected bureaucrat because right now she's basically promoting and that's exactly what she's doing and this did in this interview is trying to advance or promote a state income tax the liberals have been wanting that in the state for 
for as long as I've lived out here. So I don't think that it's, uh, you know, uh, just a coincidence that this now, at the, at the moment, this unelected bureaucrat is trying to advance that. <clears throat> but, and in her words, in a democracy, that's not how things are supposed to work. You know, unelected bureaucrats aren't supposed to be able to do these things. I mentioned, uh, I don't know, a couple, two, three months ago, uh, and she's since been uh, uh, fired, if you will, the head of uh, transportation out here, Washington State Department of was the transfer? She was the department. They call it something different. He uh, was like the commissioner or something like that. And her name was, I believe, Lynn Johnson. And before she even was appointed to the position, right, of, I don't know, superintendent of whatever Washington Transportation Commissioner, whatever it was, before she was even appointed to that position, she was uh, promoting and trying to advance uh, tolls, right? Toll roads everywhere. Toll for this. Toll for that. Cross a bridge, pay a toll, right? And and user fees for uh, or additional user fees for you know operating your vehicle. Pay by the mile. Everything. Gas tax. All kinds of things. And when I heard that, I just I flipped my lid, man, and I called them, and I was pretty heated with them and said, just that's not how things are supposed to work. Okay, you don't get to do that. And you know. And more specifically, <clears throat> I called the governor's office. And, of course, you know, we have a liberal governor out here. And the, f- the female that I talked to, you know, obviously didn't want to put me through the governor. And she didn't want to hear what I had to say either. But I, I spoke my mind. You know, again, that's not how things are supposed to work. And, it, and now, again, these are their words of democracy, you know, where you have these unelected bureaucrats, you know, just running roughshod over us, the people, the citizens, you know. We do have an elective body, and this, the, our elected bodies are, are supposed to represent the people. But instead, our elected, bodies, our elected bodies represent the unelected bureaucrats, and only them specifically. Only them. And who pays for that? <clears throat> well, obviously, we pay for it, but it's larger than that. Excuse me. It's larger than that. You know, when I say we pay for it, not when I say we, I mean all of us. Everybody in this entire country pays for that simply because, once again, we've let the coyote into our living room and he's urinating on our couch. Okay, and we just we just sit there because we're too lazy uh, to get up off the couch and do something about it, you know, because Dancing with the Stars is on. And I hate picking on Dancing with the Stars, you know, so if that's one of your favorite shows, you know, I I can pick another show, I guess. Uh, American Idol. There you go. But you get me catch my drift. I got time. I was checking the time there. <clears throat> so anyway, that was uh, one of the other things that I wanted to point out to you this afternoon. <clears throat> Let me see what else in the closing uh, moments of my show today. Uh, what I can, if I can just find something quick here for you. Da-da-da. This is interesting. This is actually kind of interesting. I don't know if you guys saw this. The headline is officials, officials say too late for white nationalists to resign as Trump delegate. I, I had no idea, and it, it piqued my interest. This is from NPR. I have a little bit of time for the end of the show today. Again, the headline is, officials say, too late for white nationalists to resign as a Trump delegate. And there's a picture of the fellow there. His name is, and he's an attorney. His name is William Johnson, and he's the leader of the American Freedom Party, a self-proclaimed white nationalist uh, group, which, by the way, uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center has deemed uh, a hate group. <laughs> Go figure, right? Go figure. Well, I'll read from the article here briefly. It may be too late for a man identified as a white nationalist leader to be removed 
from a list of Trump delegates, an official in the California Secretary of State's office told NPR. The Trump campaign did not reach out to our office about removing William Johnson's name as a delegate until Tuesday, May 10th, which is past the statutory deadline to submit delegate lists to the Supreme, uh, Secretary of State's office, Press Secretary Sam Mahood said in a statement. William Daniel Johnson is affiliated with the American Freedom Party, identified as an extremist group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. See, identified by the Southern Poverty Law Center as an extremist group, and identified by the Southern po- he is identified by the po- po- Southern Poverty Law Center as a white nationalist. See how they try and do this? It's unbelievable, guys. It's unbelievable. We have to do something about this. <clears throat> it goes on. The Los Angeles attorney is known for proposing an amendment to strip U.S. citizenship from non-whites. His existence on the list was first reported by Mother Jones. And Mother Jones is, I guess, some kind of a liberal website. I think I went there once. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you guys know it better than I do. <clears throat> After Johnson's name appeared on the Trump delegate list published this week by the California Secretary of State, the campaign blamed a computer error and said it had taken immediate steps to remove him. Upon careful review of computer records, the inclusion of a potential delegate that had previously been rejected and removed from the campaign's list in February 2016 was discovered. Blah, blah, blah. The Trump campaign's uh, uh, California State Director Tim Clark said in a statement Tuesday. And it was blah, blah. They're just uh, they're trying to you know go back now and you know backfill this and you know blah, 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 blah. NPR reached out to Trump campaign for comment. Blah, blah. No response. So and it, here's something. The news of a white nationalist inclusion on Trump's delegates late in California comes as Trump is gearing up for a general election fight by hiring new staff and taking on likely Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton, blah, blah, blah. So there you go. And this is just another way for them to try and paint Donald Trump as some kind of a racist. You know, when I pointed out yesterday that President, uh, our sitting president right now, uh, what did he garner in both of his elections? Uh, and both of his wins for the president, uh, how much of the black vote did he, uh, how many black people supported him percentage-wise? Nearly 100%. I mean, nearly 100%, you know, but yet that's not racist, you know. And so, but, but when white people, you know, it's just like we have the Congressional Black Caucus, you know. And if you, we were to, and, and, and you know, it's, it's you know, it's, you know it, it doesn't make any sense. Congressional Black Caucus, oh, how nice. What about a white congressional? But no, no, we did not. No, you, we can't. No, we, that, we can't. That's racist. You can't do that. They're beating us, guys. They're kicking our butts here. You know, they're kind of kicking our butts. And, you know, it's been pointed out. Uh, this may be it. This may be our last chance. All right, guys, we're at the end of the show. We're at the end of the week. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening today. You can, again, contact me via my website, conditioncriticalshow.com, or you can Call me or send me a text message. My cell phone number, again, is 253-973-2995. And after having said all that, uh, until we meet, you know, on the airwaves again, which will again be next uh, Wednesday, God bless each and every one of you. And two things, guys. Freedom comes from the sword. And be all that you can be. Become a domestic terrorist. See you next week.
anything going to make me well? <laughs> hey, guys, this is, is health talk. Um, I am so upset right now. Um, I became aware of some things in the last few days that just, just set me off, you know? First of all, I uh, got this thing on Facebook that uh, showed me what happened in 9-11, you know, when this plane crashed into a steel building. And the question was, how, when a plane can crash into a steel building, does the building collapse? And when it's collapsing, it turns into dust and there's no steel particles anywhere except there's a lot of dust. Does that make you think that the building was wired in the first place because somebody had an ulterior motive and they were trying to figure out a way how to get it to come down and build a lot of sympathy and build a lot of thought and give out a lot of love and hard feelings so they could create something new where they could make a lot more money. <laughs> I mean, just think about it. How does the steel building turn to dust? Seriously. The other thing, I recently saw the movie Vaxxed. Vaxxed is making its way around the country and it's showing in the theaters and it's, it, you know, it, it's not, it's not new to me because I talk about this stuff and I've been talking about this stuff for years, but the point that was made was that the CDC, the Centers for Deceit Control and Procrastination covered up the fact for years that the MMR vaccine, in other words, the combination of the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, attributes considerably to autism. And they knew this, and they covered it up. Why? Because they didn't want to, the pharmaceutical industry didn't want to waste time by giving the individual shots one for measles, one for mumps, and one for rubella. Because, hey, if you give all three at once, you can mix everything together. You can make a lot more money because people are hesitant to come back and come back and come back. But if you can get them all and you can inject them with all these synthetic chemicals all at once, man, yeah! Well, William Thompson kept his copies of the reports. And that's the only reason that the public was made aware of this fact. Unfortunately, Thompson can't come forward because it's a political thing. He just can't come forward. But if he gets subpoenaed, then he can open that up. Now, the question is, are the courts, are the courts, paid off enough that they will not call him, they will not subpoena him, or are there any independent judges?
I mean, if you look at the U.S. Supreme Court, that's a joke. They're all appointed by Obama. So nothing ever happens that will benefit the people. Anyway, there's so much going on with all the corruption in so many areas. And one of the questions that came up was, how far will big food go to silence dissenters and take control of the marketplace? Seriously, there was this investigative journalist from somewhere that wrote a book called The Fat Surprise, Why Butter, Meat, and Cheese Belong in a Healthy Diet. Of course, this lady should be in the insane asylum, but that's not the point. The point is that she wrote the book, and the book explained the many benefits of saturated fats, which happens to go against the mainstream low-fat party line. Now, that's good because butter, meat, and cheese are the worst things that you can put into your body. So anyway, the following year, this lady published an article in the BMJ, the British Medical Journal, and she questioned the science behind the government's healthy dietary guidelines which she said were outdated. And the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee, the DGAC, they publish guidelines every five years, and they play a very big role in defining everything from food labeling to public feeding programs and nutrition education. And, of course, they're funded by the big food industry. Okay, so she, the lady, was not the only person to express her belief but the Center for Science and the Public Interest was angry about her asking the BNJ via letter to retract the article. And the letter asking her to retract what she said was signed by about 180 so-called experts, many of whom have been criticized by the lady in the past. So this is back in 2014. So let's fast forward to the president. Present. Two of the panelists scheduled for conference, the former chairman of the DGAC, Dietary Guidelines, and the CSPI, the Centers for uh, Science, blah, 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 Nutrition Policy Director, said, they would not participate if she were to remain on the panel. And the influence that they had was so great that they got the organizers to rescind her invitation. <clears throat> so this is just another way that the big food industry perpetuates the myths that best serve its interests. And the low-fat myth is certainly one of them. Now, foods carry nutritional labels that emphasize calorie and fat counts. Doing so takes the spotlight off the preservatives and the artificial sweeteners that also appear on the label. Okay? 
So basically what's happening is they tend to gloss over in favor of fixating on fat as the true evil. And they're completely ignoring the fact that some fats are very healthy for the body, like the healthy fats that you find in avocados and raw whole milk, which is the reason why you can never get that anymore, and nuts and coconut oil. So when the DGAC, the dietary guidelines, blah, 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 came out in support of the low-fat diets last year, a lot of the scientists were quick to point out the errors of their way. Now, there was a director of the Healthy Nation Coalition. Her name was Adele Haidt. She said, basically, what they're trying to do is enforce a diet that will result in poor health for many Americans because the DJAC expects us to eliminate foods that are traditionally found in nourishing dietary patterns. Instead, the federal government should focus on recommendations that help all Americans acquire essential nutrition. Now, that makes sense. But that's not the only way the big food industry manages to shut up those who dare to tell the truth about science and nutrition. For example, there's an agency, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, which is heavily funded by big food, that has pushed the states to pass laws that create monopolies for registered dietitians only for dispensing nutritional advice. So as for the Centers for Science and the DGAC, they are so, if they're so certain that the science behind their claims is so sound, why aren't they willing to open it up to a healthy debate and allow those in attendance at the conference make up their minds for themselves? Because it's all about money. That's the whole thing. Then, when you come over to biotech and the big farm companies, these guys, it's like they have their own money printing machines. And they're so loaded that they can purchase whatever they want and more of anything they desire. And what do they desire? They desire the ability to continue to sell their products to the world. There's nothing that perpetuates the endless cycle of sales like manipulation of the media and so-called quote-unquote official sources of information, as well as the government agencies and academia. So, for instance, as noted by the Center for Research on Globalization, the biotech sector loves to scream peer review when anti-GMO factions refer to scientific analyses and research-based findings in order to state their case. But even when the research is public, published in the peer-reviewed journals, the industry releases their attack hookers like John Entine to discredit and ruin 
the individual researchers, the methodology of research, and anything else related to the study. So peer review or no peer review, it doesn't matter to the biotech sector when the research findings have potential to damage its interest. In any case, peer review is only for the sector's critics. It doesn't seem to apply much to it. Francis, if the USDA, the US FDA, the Fraud and Drug Administration scientists, had continually warned regulators that the genetically modified crops could create unpredictable and hard to detect side effects, including allergies, toxin production, nutritional problems, and all kinds of diseases. They recommended that long-term studies were needed to fully assess the effect of genetically modified foods on other crops, the ecosystem, animal, and human health. But those warnings were ignored. Why were they ignored? Because in nearly every instance, financial concerns outweigh anything related to public safety. And for this industry, and really for big pharma as well, commercial interest, political strategy, and lobbying, not science, is what really counts. So Monsanto, Syngenta, and the other biotech hookers, or pimps, I should say, they collude with the government agencies and the officials to quote unquote, educate the public about genetically modified products, which basically they have to say educate rather than manipulate. And while the farm does the same thing when it comes to getting vaccines and other drugs that have not been properly vested or tested in the market, they don't care. So these companies use the media as well as key reporters. And Antime is like the chief case in point. So they use these people to propagandize and misinform about their products. And these are the kinds of tactics that are the same ones that are being used against Vax, which exposes, like I said, the legitimate link between autism and vaccines. And it features the CDC prevention whistleblower, Dr. William Thompson, who admitted that his agency covered up that link. Well, there's been a lot of success to censor the film, but that's been reversed. And they did have it removed from the list of films to be screened at a lot of festivals, including the re recent Tribeca Film Festival, and which was founded by Robert De Niro, blah, 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 it was canceled, even though De Niro has an autistic kid who was initially very interested. But yet the film was pulled from De Niro's Tribeca Film Festival following this intense censorship effort waged by the vaccine-pushing mainstream media and the pharmaceutical-funded media science hookers.
So the vaccine totalitarians and the media science hookers who demand absolute obedience to the fraudulent narrative that vaccines are safe and effective have zero tolerance for any intelligent conversations about vaccines. Yet, after De Niro pulled the film, scheduled the film, he was forced to change his mind and pull the film. Now, he's telling people, you've got to see the film. So media people who are honest with readers and the American people in general know all about the tactics used by the biotech, biotech pimps and the big farm pimps, and that includes CBS News investigative reporter Cheryl Atkinson, who wrote a book called Stonewall. And one of her recent talks, she discussed one of the propaganda techniques, which she called astroturfing, which is an artificial bought and paid for reality that supplants the truth. So what happens is astroturf will manipulate you into changing your opinion by making it seem as if you're an outlier when you're not. And the hallmarks of astroturf from propaganda include the use of inflammatory language such as quack and crank and nutcase and pseudo and paranoid and conspiracy but you have to watch out when an interest addresses an issue by controversializing or attacking the people, the personality, the organizations surrounding the issue rather than the facts. That could be astroturf. So is science going to fall victim to outside pressures? Well, unless radical reform is achieved, peer-reviewed publication, which many hold to be the defining characteristic of science, will have undergone a remarkable revision. And the Center for Research on Globalization said, from its origin as a safeguard of quality and independence, it will have become a tool through which one vision that of corporate science came to assert ultimate control. And then this guy who was a professor of plant pathology at Purdue University said that getting research findings published that do not coincide with the aims of key commercial interests can be difficult and comes with certain risks. And you've got highly powerful players involved that have influence over journal content, that have successfully infiltrated important government and official bodies, and much of the science and debate is being manipulated and hijacked by the vested interests for commercial gain. So how do you know what to believe and who to believe? I'll tell you, you believe the people. You don't believe the corporation. They're only there to make money. They don't give a crap about you. Interestingly enough, there, there, there's a new study by 
by patient safety researchers that push their or publish their analysis in the British Medical Journal on May 3rd that showed that medical errors in hospitals and other healthcare facilities are incredibly common and may now be the third leading cause of death in the United States, claiming 251,000 lives every year, more than respiratory disease, accidents, strokes, and Alzheimer's. So basically, it boils down to people dying from the care they receive rather than the disease for which they are seeking care. And this calculation of 250,000 deaths a year equates to nearly 700 deaths a day, which is about 9.5% of all deaths annually in the United States. Then the CDC, the Centers for Discrete Control and uh, Disease, <laughs> the Centers for Deceit, control and procrastination, they don't require reporting of medical errors in the data they collect about death through billing codes, making it hard to see what's really going on at a national level. And the element of harm that is often overlooked is the number of severe patient injuries resulting from a medical error, and some estimates put that number at 40 times the death rate. So let's take a look. First of all, the study is focusing on medical errors in hospitals and other healthcare facilities. So did the researchers do much work looking for fatal errors that occur in the average doctor's offices? If they didn't, then the death numbers mentioned in the study are on the low side. So the CDC, which regularly reports mortality figures, does not receive data, it does not require data from doctors on errors which lead to patients' deaths. So the CDC is completely in the dark on the third leading cause of death in the United States. And you have to understand it's the same agency that assures the public that vaccines are wonderfully safe and effective. So. Consider the final quote. The estimate that severe patient injuries from medical errors are 40 times the death figure would give us the fact that every year in the United States, there are 10 million severe injuries as a result of medical errors. How long have I been talking about this? But what do I know? I'm just a little guy in Hawaii. The hell do I know? You know what I mean? So Barbara Starfield is a public health expert. And in her studies, she separated deaths from errors, mistreatment in hospitals, and deaths from medical drugs, and found that yearly deaths from mistreatment and errors in hospitals are roughly 119,000. Yearly deaths from correctly prescribed medical drugs are 106,000. 
But the study doesn't specifically give a death number for the medical drug category. So again, we can only assume that the new study is citing an overall death figure that is on the low side. So let's round it off. Let's round off the 250,000 death figure, and let's call it 300,000 deaths in America as a direct result of the medical system. 300,000 deaths a year works out to be 3 million deaths per decade and 100 million severe patient injuries per decade. And you know what helped us? <laughs> you know what helped to bring this out? Obamacare. <laughs> you got to love it. So, while I'm on the subject of this medical crap, prescription pain-killing drugs like OxyContin and Vicodin, they are now directly responsible for killing 40 Americans every single day. And this fact comes from new data that was compiled by the Centers for Disease Control and Procrastination as part of an ongoing investigation into prescription drug abuse. So the numbers from the CDC report show that more people are now killed by opioid prescription drugs than they are by overdoses from both heroin and cocaine combined. And those numbers match the ones released in the 2009 study conducted by the physicians at St. Michael's Hospital and the Institute for Clinical Evaluative Sciences in Canada, which found the same thing. So in, since 1999, the number of individuals taking prescription painkillers to get high rather than to legitimately treat pain has tripled. One in 20 U.S. adults now admit to have abused prescription narcs, of which the most popularly abused are Vicodin, OxyContin, and Opana. God, that sounds so close to Obama. And methadone, according to the CDC. So how are individuals gaining access to these high amounts of these deadly, deadly drugs? Do you think that it could be irresponsible doctors rather than street dealers? The problem is more from doctors than the drug pushers on the street corners. In California, that situation is disturbing as more than 62% of painkiller prescriptions were found to have been prescribed by just 3% of doctors, meaning that a handful of doctors are freely dispensing these highly addictive and deadly drugs to patients that most likely are not legitimate candidates for them. And worse, the federal government is doing little, if anything, to put a stop to the madness and protect the public. Okay, yeah, sure, it continues to, quote-unquote, investigate 
the tide of illness and death caused by the prescription drug nightmare, but it doesn't take any practical steps to prosecute the doctors for malpractice or hold the drug companies responsible for making the dangerous drugs in the first place. So in other words, while the federal government is busy wasting millions of taxpayer dollars raiding the whole food buying clubs and the herb supplement companies and the raw milk dairies that provide the customers with health-promoting foods, the pharmaceutical industry is literally getting away with government-sanctioned murder as it continues to freely peddle its deadly drugs to the world. <laughs> oh, it doesn't end with that. It really, you got Monsanto that has their blockbuster herbicide Roundup, which contains glyphosate, that causes serious health problems even at low levels of exposure and can cause cancer. So the glyphosate in Roundup makes it the top-selling herbicide worldwide. And the growth of Roundup has ballooned in the past few decades, largely because of widespread adoption of Roundup-resistant genetically modified crops. So in other words, you create a pesticide and you make a crop that you can just deluge it and it doesn't affect the crop, but it stays in the crop. And then the people eat the crop and they ingest all those heavy pesticides and they say, oh, 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 really good. Oh my God, I love that. So these high levels of use mean that the water supplies around the country are contaminated with Roundup, exposing more people to the chemical. And then the GM crops have higher levels of the residue, as do certain other crops that are deliberately killed with Roundup in order to produce a synchronized harvest. And now they're finding out there was a study that fluoride causes cancer. And Hawaii is the only state in the United States that is not fluoridated except for the military bases because we know the government loves the people that serve their country. Look, in large doses, glyphosate can cause pathophysiological changes, including metabolic acidosis. And severe glyphosate poisoning causes altered consciousness, dehydration, liver dysfunction, pulmonary edema, dysrhemia, oliguria, which is low urine out output, meaning that when you pee, you just trickle, and other stuff, and cancer. You understand? So when you take all this together, the evidence suggests that glyphosate in the doses equivalent to allow residues in food ingested over a long period of time causes a low-grade chronic acidosis as well as mitochondrial dysfunction. And because this effect is 
caused by chronic low-dose exposure, it has been overlooked. So the researchers, they looked at reports in the FDA's adverse event reporting system database for health problems associated with glyphosate. And they compared them with the health problems listed in the database for the drugs known to cause mitochondrial dysfunction. And the symptoms and diseases listed for glyphosate and for the drugs were very, very consistent. So because mitochondrial dysfunction can produce a great many different diseases, the researchers hypothesized that many of the diseases of modern life can be caused in part by chronic low-dose exposure, exposure to environmental contaminants, including herbicides, pesticides, and industrial chemicals, pharmaceutical products, and food additives. So studies, prior studies, indicated that glyphosate can produce health damage in very low concentrations. There was a study published in the, the journal Environmental Health back in August of 2015 that found that long-term consumption of levels of Roundup below those allowed in the U.S. drinking water, as though they're going to let it go in the water in the first place, could cause changes in gene expression leading to liver and kidney damage. Then there was another study conducted by these guys in Australia that found that the levels of Roundup in the U.S. on Australian drinking water can cause hormone-disrupting effects. And then another study found, surprisingly, that the commercial product Roundup was more toxic than the active ingredient glyphosate on its own. So this then calls into question the widespread regulatory practice of assuming that only a product's active ingredient has effects on the body. Look, the European Union Food Safety Authority admitted that Roundup, though not glyphosate, but glyphosate, causes general toxic effects that can lead to cancer. It's the first time that a government agency admitted that an inactive ingredient can be dangerous. And there's all these health concerns with Roundup that keep appearing. The studies have linked to genetic and cellular disease and uh, implicated the herbicide and chronic kidney disease epidemic that swept through India as well as Central America. Yet, you know what? Nobody bans it. Why? And God we trust, all others pay cash. You guys all remember what happened in Flint, Michigan. <laughs> he says with a straight face. So there were these officials that had been indicted in Flint for poisoning a lot of people in Flint, Michigan, mostly African-American residents in the city, with water-containing dangerous amounts of lead. As reported by the Associated Press and a lot of others, the officials, two state environmental regulators and one city employee were pivotal in poisoning the residents of Flint, a city of 100,000, for nearly 18 months 
after a decision was made by a state-appointed emergency manager to begin using the polluted Flint River for tap water as a way to save money while a new pipeline was, pipeline was being built. So because the water was not treated to control corrosion, the lead from the aging pipes and the fixtures leached into the water that went into the homes and the businesses, poisoning adults and children with lead concentrations that were 13,000 times higher than legally allowed. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. So, the irony of this poisoning is amazing, especially when you compare it to the lack of prosecution for officials who are responsible on a daily basis for poisoning the American people with mercury, which was a highly toxic substance that's found most commonly in our vaccines. So there was this guy, his name is Eric Gladden, and he made a documentary called Trace Amounts. And it was about assigning mercury to conditions that it caused. And he announced that he would be traveling the country speaking to experts about the link between mercury and autism. So this guy, he received a tetanus shot in his late 20s, and it almost sent him over the edge, medically speaking, and almost resulting in his committing suicide. And basically, it was discovered that the mercury component of the tetanus vaccine, thimerosal, poisoned him and saddled him with health problems that seemed incurable. And yet, nobody has been punished for the crime. And that's what it is, a crime. Even after the federal government's premier health agency, the Centers for Deceit, Control, and Procrastination has proven time and time again that it is untrustworthy and fraudulent. So back in 2014, there was this Danish scientist, uh, Paul Thorsen, who was indicted for stealing millions from the CDC and used it to cover up vaccine dangers and who fled the CDC to avoid further action. Nonetheless, the guy has not come clean about his phony research that screwed up the link between autism and vaccines. And what's more, the CDC continued to cite this guy's evidence that vaccines are completely safe. So one by one, the guy's research was refuted and rebuked. But the Obama Justice Department allowed him to remain completely aloof from his scientific perch at the hospital he worked in in Denmark, even though the U.S. and Denmark signed an extradition treaty that took effect July 31st in 1974. So what do you do? What's a little known truth about mercury toxicity that we don't know about? Well, 
Leaky gut syndrome makes mercury toxicity far worse. Mercury can fry the kidneys and cause total kidney failure. Ethyl mercury, the kind that's found in vaccines, is actually many times more toxic than methylmercury once it goes through the cell walls. They are the two worst sources of mercury exposure for most people, and how mercury gets transported through the environment, creating multiple opportunities for exposure through air, soil, food, water, etc., is ridiculous. Mercury's spe uh, uh, speciation on how and how a detailed mercury analysis of your blood, hair, and urine can reveal a wealth of information about your health. And then you need to know what supplements can help increase the body's ability to eliminate mercury from the blood and the GI tract. The best thing to detox toxins and heavy metals is organic sulfur crystals. <laughs> this is a funny story. There's a guy in Hawaii who says to me, is this stuff going to help me? I said, yeah. He said, will it detox me? I said, yeah. He said, well, how will the detox be? I said, it comes in a lot of ways. And I get a phone call from the guy last night telling me that for about a week and a half, the guy has been going doo-doo like every three or four hours, even if he doesn't eat. <laughs> I said, well, you're still doing it. He said, no, it passed after a week, man. I said, how do you feel? He said, well, I feel really good not having to go to the toilet all the time, but I can tell that my body seems healthier. That's because the organic sulfur crystals will re remove all these heavy metals, all these toxins, all these synthetics, all this Roundup, everything, the mercury, the thimerosal, the PCBs in the ocean, everything. Then, of course, you got the professional hookers for the vaccines who pose as researchers, right, that lie. And all the while, the CDC, the other establishment academic and healthcare organizations warn that too much mercury in certain species of fish is bad for our health and dangerous outright. But none of them says a word about the dangers of mercury in vaccines that can build up in your brain and remain there for a long, long time. So it's kind of appropriate for officials associated with the lead poisoning in Flint to be held accountable. But you might notice a pattern developing there. Once again, the federal government has refused to hold anyone, any of their own officials accountable, though some EPA officials were well aware of the problem. Why is that? <laughs> he, hmm, he says with a straight face. Hmm, I don't understand why that would be happening. My goodness gracious. It is so heavy that all this stuff goes on, but yet 
nobody, but nobody wants to do anything about it. Why is that? I don't, I, I don't, I, 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 oh boy, do you think um, government is complacent in this? Do, do, do you think that they're afraid that if they're found out what they do, oh, people would be upset? I, I, I hmm, gee, hmm, oh man, oh, I, oh, see, we got a problem. We have a problem, a very serious problem. And that problem is many, 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 many people do not take responsibility for themselves. They're in big hurries. They don't have a lot of time. They don't think it matters. You got to... Can you imagine you drive your car and you put kerosene in a gas tank? How long do you think it would be before your engine broke down? Seriously, I'm asking that as a serious question. Obviously, you wouldn't put kerosene in your gas tank, but you are. And I've said it time and time again that the digestive tract of the human being is like a convoluted switchback road. That means it's not a straight line like the digestive tracts are in the carnivorous animals. When they eat flesh, it passes right out of the body. When a convoluted switchback road person eats flesh, it gets caught up in the switchbacks. So if it gets caught up in the switchbacks and flesh foods leave the body in four to seven days, my question is, what is happening in your body? Where are all those poisons going to? Where are all those chemicals going to? Why do you have restricted blood flow? Why does someone get a heart attack when they're 50 years old or a stroke or erectile dysfunction? Why is that? Why is that? It's because you're not supposed to eat that stuff. But the problem is your tongue has taken control over your intelligence. Does that make any sense? I would think so, that the tongue has taken control over intelligence. So your intelligence has to wage war with your tongue. Okay, so I understand thoroughly that you like to taste the flesh and blood. I understand that. I don't have a problem with that. But do you think that if you sincerely and truly made an effort to change your taste, that that would take precedence eventually over your tongue? You know, I, 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 I talk about this many times. Look, I was, I was a little kid, 
growing up in Newark, New Jersey. My parents uh, fed me pancakes, bacon and eggs, hamburgers, French toast, a lot of maple syrup, a lot of sugar, steaks, chicken, fish. I hated fish. I mean, this, this is what I got. And I got a little side order of peas and carrots because I said, I have to eat your vegetables. Of course, there were only, you know, four or five on the plate. So that, but that's irrelevant. But that was my whole life, you know. And I was vaccinated as a kid and I had asthma my whole life. Well, one day when I was in my mid-30s, this girl said to me, why don't we become vegetarians? And out of the blue, I said, okay, just like that, out of the blue, no worries. Let's do it. <laughs> so I did it, and that was in 1975. 1975. And since that time, I, um, I, I, I don't have any illnesses. I don't take any meds. And I'm a healthy guy. I know I'm going to die. Everybody dies. But why do you have to die early? Hey, just think, think look at the good news. The government wants you to leave your body before you reach retirement age. Now, why is that? Because before retirement age, you're working all the time and you're paying taxes, which means that you're giving money to the government. If you leave your body before retirement age, they don't gotta give you money back in social security. <laughs> really, they don't, because you're not there anymore. So the point is that people who can live into their 60s, their 70s, their 80s, and their 90s really, really, really tick off the government because they can't stop paying back what you paid in. What they did, which was very criminal, was you paid Social Security taxes. Now, whatever Social Security you earn, you have to include on your tax return and possibly, depending upon your income, you have to pay tax on the tax that you originally paid. Does, does, that, does that make sense to you? It sure as hell doesn't make sense to me. What it says to me is the government to avoid bankruptcy coming sooner than it will, is trying to save their okoli, which is Hawaiian for butt, by charging you for the taxes that you already paid. So, think about it. Government is out to screw you. They don't give a crap about you. So why don't you decide to screw the government. If you change your diet to a plant-based diet that's centered around whole grains, that's centered around organics, 
What's going to happen is it's going to increase your blood flow. It's going to increase your elimination. It's going to clean out a lot of toxins. It's going to possibly eliminate, and it will eliminate, your arthritis. It'll clear up your heart disease. It'll prevent you from getting a stroke. And you won't have to see Alice because you have erectile dysfunction. Can you imagine someone telling you, if you experience an erection for more than four hours, please do not go on a crowded bus or a subway. That's what they should say instead of saying, see your doctor. Can you imagine what would happen if you live in Manhattan and you got to go on a subway and you got a four-hour problem and you bump into the back of some girl? Oh, my God, the horror. Hey, I'm making light of this, but the point is, it's a reality. So the purpose of what I do is, like in my book, A Sane Diet for an Insane World, which you can find out more about if you go to www.asanediet.com, is to try to lead you to the waterhole. That's all anyone can do. We can give you the information. We can tell you how to get it and what to do with it. But to do it, that, that's, that's up to you. It's not up to me. For you guys out there, you women out there that are experiencing menopause, organic sulfur will alleviate the pains of menopause. And I'm serious about that. It will. I remember there was a woman in Colorado who was suffering from migraine headaches. And she asked me if the sulfur would help her with her migraines because she got migraines every time she got her monthly period. I said, yeah, no problem. So she tells me that one day she wakes up her migraines are gone. One day she wakes up and she's got a blood stain on her sheet. And she's trying to figure out, why do I have a blood stain on my sheet? And she says, oh my God, I got my period. But I didn't get my migraines. And I didn't even get pain or any discomfort. But I got my period. Oh my God. This is just tip of the iceberg. This was taken away from us by the Rockefellers when they switched from manure, which was rich in sulfur, to petrochemical fertilizer. The petrochemical fertilizers killed all the sulfur in the soil, made people sick, and bought right into their agenda of reducing the population. So if you want more information, go to my website, which is www.health.com. Talk, T-A-L-K, Hawaii.com. You can hear tons of radio shows. You can read tons of articles. If you click on products, you can read all about the sulfur. You can also order it. I'm telling you that I can't make changes for you. You can only make changes for you. Anyway, uh, I had 
so much more stuff that I want to talk about, but I guess we're going to have to wait another week. <laughs> if I'm still alive, you know, it's really funny. The government here, all the politicians hate me. I call guys Pinocchio all the time, and I bust them on their on their bull crap, and I tell them how the, all they want is money, and they don't care about the people. And I just figure one day, you know, someone, something that upsets somebody really high. It won't be the first time I'll have to defend myself, but I don't know. So anyway, I think we've got about a minute or two left, and George Harrison is doing his thing, and I'm running out of words. So with that, we'll let George do his thing, and I wish you all well, and I'll catch you all next week. Aloha. function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. 
Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. live from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today today is May 12, 
please make this choice tonight. If you need help after the program, call me. I'll pray for you or with you. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, and or message. The phone number, of course, is 620-878-4682. In an emergency, my cell phone number is 316-619-4886. You know you can always find updates of breaking news, our ministry, radio program archives, and our mailing address, which is at our blog which is simply ProfCR.com. Remember, our email address is over there, too, and you can email me your phone number so I can call you for a prayer request, or you can simply send me your prayer request, and I will take the missing church, anoint it with oil, and we will pray over it, and then if you choose so, we will mail it back to you at no cost, obligation, or solicitation to you. It's just up to you. Anyway, Pray about it, but that's all you can find. You can find all kinds of things at prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. And remember, remember, we are a national satellite radio program, which will simulcast live on the net nationally. So please pray about supporting airtime. I sound a little tongue-tied tonight. Well, that's because I'm trying to talk because I think I got a cold coming on and I'm losing my voice. So. It's a good thing that I have the guest that I do tonight because he's a really good talker. Anyway, uh, on another note, thanks so much to all our listeners from all over the world, and a special thanks to the couple that dropped in on us this past Tuesday. They live in Florida, but they were visiting in Oklahoma, so they dropped in on us. So, folks, um, I really appreciate you stopping by and seeing us. And, folks, you, you people over there in Wichita, we're that close to you. Drop in and see us. See what we're doing or what we're doing in your city. Excuse me. Now, prayer will bring on tonight's guest. Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name I pray. Father, I just pray that radio goes tonight according to your will and not my will, nor our guest's will, Father. But please give everyone out there ears in which to hear the truth. So please, Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name, bless this program tonight. Amen and amen. Well, tonight's guest is Pastor Carl Gallops. He was on with us just last week, but I brought him back on tonight because there was this topic they sent me that I really wanted to see him talk about. So to set this, kind of to set the record straight on Trump and Christian leaders. So he is a best-selling author. He's a senior pastor since 19, I started to say 1878, oops. Anyway, 1978, talk radio host, heard internationally and nationally, TV and radio guest commentator, former decorated Florida law enforcement officer, founder of PNN Simmons News and Ministry Network, member of the Board of Regents of the University of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama. Carl's written four books, The Rabbi Who Found Messiah, The Story of Yitzhar Kaduri and His Prophecies of the End Time. That's a great book. You really need to get it. The Magic Man in the Sky, Effectively Defending the Christian Faith, Final Warning, and his newest book is Be Thou Prepared, Equipping the Church for Persecution in the Times of Trouble. But he is also writing another book, but we're not going to get that out of him for a few more months. Anyway, let's talk to Pastor Carl Gallup. Are you there with me, Carl? <clears throat> Are you there with me, Carl? Am I? Okay, well, I need an indication from... The station, if indeed we're making a connection. Well, I'm making a connection, and I can hear the volume. So 
I wonder what happened to our guest. I guess he, oh, getting him back on. Okay, well, anyway, um, there's an article that came out, and uh, it's from World Net Daily, and it's called Trump Candidacy Divides Christian Leaders. And this is what we're bringing Carl on to speak about tonight. I don't know what happened, but they're in the process of getting him back on. In fact, indeed, I guess he's on. So I guess you're with me now, Carl. I am Pastor Dan, and thanks for having me. Sorry about what happened earlier. I don't know. I just I just lost you guys. Okay. Well, uh, not a not a large problem. We got you back, so that's what counts. And speaking of which, I got you back. I just had you on last week. Yeah. Uh, I you, you know your your whoever it is that works for you. They send out all these topics that uh, you know say that you're wanting to speak on that week, or you will. And uh, I read the article, but what sold me was seeing your picture with those other ministers in a little clip that they sent me, and I said, i I got to have him talk about it. Back to you. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. You're talking about uh, a couple of nights ago I was featured on Fox News. Um, I think it was the Charles Payne report. And uh, they were talking, I think that the, the, our pictures were up there, and I think the caption said, Evangelicals for Trump, something like that. And yeah. It was, yeah, it was in relation to this uh, tweet that went viral, and all the major main, mainstream media picked it up, between Donald Trump and the president of the Ethics Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, Dr. Russell Moore. And Dr. Russell Moore... Um, basically had been uh, declaring, and I'm going to have to paraphrase it right now. I don't have the article right in front of me, but I know it well enough to talk about it. Uh, He had been declaring uh, that if you uh, voted for Trump, uh, that basically you were a bigot and a racist and a nativist, he said, you know, just just wanting only, you know, uh, just wanting only... um, uh, basically, white Americans, and, and right. you know, I mean, it was just ridiculous. It was unbelievable, especially for the leader of, of the largest evangelical denomination in the world. And which, by the way, I'm a part. I'm a part of the Southern Baptist uh, Convention. So it's anyway. I spoke to that and called him out for what for for the hypocrisy and the uh, duplicitousness uh, that he was espousing. And anyway, we had yeah yeah yeah. I, I, and then I did an interview with. Uh, daily and kind of unloaded on the whole thing. So is that what you wanted me to talk about, brother? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, like I say, I was impressed with your picture. You know, uh, it, it's not that it's just a, you know, I'm glad to see, um, you know, a man of God such as yourself willing to be able to come out and, and speak, you know, unbigoted, speak truth. Because, uh, you know, I think it's, it's the problem with ministers right now I see in America is not enough of them are speaking and standing up for for the truth. And they're just standing up for, if anything, go along with everything else, globalist ideas. And we need to start standing up. And you set a good example. And that's why I wanted you on. Well, you. thank you, brother. You're so kind. I, you're so kind. I, I pray I never let you down in that. I uh... I tell you, Pastor Dan, that's the thing that that really uh, kind of scares me and concerns me uh, with this Russell Moore fella. Um, I don't know Dr. Moore personally, um, and, and but but I've done a lot of research on him uh, since I you know started addressing him. And as a matter of fact, 
I, I, I got a call today that there's a possibility, I don't know, but there's a possibility that uh, some major news media uh, are going to try to line the two of us up for a debate on major television news. Really? Yeah, and uh, we'll see. I mean, I'll let you know if it comes off, but it, it doesn't matter whether it does or not because I've pretty much said my piece. But but what I've discovered in researching this guy, um, he des- he describes himself he literally describes himself as a communitarian. Now that's a that's a very unique word and that is the word that he uses. Now, if you'll look up the word communitarian in Webster's New World Dictionary, it says it has one definition and this is what it says. A member or advocate of a communist communi- community. Really? Yeah. So I mean, that's what New World Dictionary says, Webster's New World Dictionary, about the term communitarian. Now, this guy's got a Ph.D. He's the head of the Ethics Commission. He's 44 years old. You would think before he described himself as a communitarian, he would know what the word means. Now, that's what the dictionary says. In other words, a communist. Right. When you continue to read his articles, you discover that he is for, basically, he is for open borders, um, and for blanket amnesty, he also belongs to a to a a group called the Evangelical Immigration Table. He actually is one of the heads of the Evangelical Immigration Table. And for your listeners, if they'll do some research on that, they'll discover that that is a byproduct of the National Immigration Forum, which is financed by George Soros. Wow. So. Um- I got to ask you this right off the right now. Um, how I don't see how Christianity, um, no, no matter whether Southern Baptist or any denomination, how is Christianity compatible with communism? I mean, yeah, I I, I, don't, I I don't think it is either. As a matter of fact, I wrote a little bit about that in my latest book, "Be Thou Prepared." When it talked, when the scripture talks about how the the early church had all things in common, and mm-hmm. they sold what they had and gave to the poor as each person had need, and of course there are people that say, "Look, look, look! That's communism! That's communism!" And I just I take about a chapter and just tear up that idea. It was not communism. As a matter of fact, if you continue to read the context of that, it makes it very clear that uh, they owned private property, and they were free to do what they wished with it. They were not forced to sell. It's just they were describing the situation that in the tough, tough times of the early church, most of the early church were Jews. Most of them were being disowned by their family and their community. Most of them lost, were losing their jobs, being disowned by their own people. And so those that had... Uh, the financial means to help the others began to do so um, as they desired. And there was no official decree. There was no rule that if you're going to be a part of the church, you had to belong to a communist party. Um, So anyway, I I don't want to bore your listeners with my whole answer there, but uh, the bottom line is, no, it's it's not compatible uh, with biblical Christianity, in my humble opinion, nor with the contextual interpretation of scriptures. But is, is this Russell Moore was pontificating, telling Christians, basically, and he didn't use these words, but he basically said, if you're a real Christian, you won't vote for Donald Trump. And he went on to say, why? 
Now, I don't think Donald Trump is the savior of the world, and I'm not Donald Trump's uh, campaign chairman. Um, I know that if it comes down between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. And I can tell you all the reasons why in a moment. But even though I'm not his campaign chairman, um, I can say that when he tells us, when Russell Moore is trying to tell the Christian community, apparently he's trying to influence millions of Christians not to vote, which sounds just like something the liberal left would do, sounds just like something George Soros would do. Uh, when he tells us that, I went off on him in that article and on radio interviews like yours, and I've done six or seven uh, in the right. last day or two because of it. <clears throat> and and I've gone, I went off on him and I said, okay, so you told us who not to vote for. Now tell us who do we vote for? Because you see, if we just stay home by the tens of millions, then Hillary Clinton will go in office. And so what you've done is you have put Barack Obama's agenda back in the White House for four years, maybe eight years, and probably on steroids because she is one mad woman right now. And uh, she, and but but she is a globalist. She is a godless, uh, a Christian-hating, Constitution-hating, uh, you know, communist, socialist, whatever you want to call her. Right. She's that. And and uh, so I mean, she's aligned with the Muslim Brotherhood. Her chief of staff, Uma Abedin, comes right out of the Muslim Brotherhood out of Saudi Arabia. I mean, you can go on and on and on. So. Who, 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 who do we, Mr. Russell Moore, who do we vote for? Because the bottom line, Pastor Dan, is on November the 9th, that morning, either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, unless something weird happens between now and then, one of those is going to be the next commander-in-chief. Who do you want sitting across the table looking at Vladimir Putin or the Ayatollah Khomeini? Do you want Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? Who do you want commanding your troops? Who do you want guarding your borders? Who do you want dealing with the economy and with the health system and with America's corporations, Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? And those are the choices we have. They're not perfect choices. They're horrible choices, I know, overall, for Christians, but that's it. And to, to, for, for, for Russell Moore, the head of the, quote, ethics commission, to be trashing Donald Trump as, as, as just this, some hideous person, and telling us, you shouldn't vote for him, you shouldn't vote for him. Well, well what are our options, Mr. Russell Moore? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to save America and give us some breathing room so we can continue to take the gospel to the world in freedom, brother. Let me hush. Yeah, amen. Let, let me say this. Um, these people, people like Russell Moore, with that kind of credentials, that's spooky. Um, yes. These people are in the church and not only just in the church, you know, he's in a, a position, you know, ethics committee. Um, you know, so it's like, uh, what view of Christianity does he have? I mean, you know, right now, uh, just look around. Uh, Christian rights all over America are being suppressed more and more and more, being kicked out of the schools and and every place in public, in every Christian word, and promoting everything that's ungodless. So, um, you know, this man's not going to, with those kind of credentials and those kind of connections, He, I don't see him helping the Christian church, but hindering it. So what is this? Uh, this is something coming from within. This is dangerous. Back to you. Well, you know, 
Pastor Dan, I, as I said, I don't know the man. I, I hope he will debate me somewhere. I would love to sit down and speak with him personally, if possible. I, I, I don't hate the man, of course. I try not to hate right. anybody. Um, I, I don't know enough about him to dislike him personally. He might be a, 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 a nice guy to sit down and have a cup of coffee with. But, but as I'm doing my research, I mean, I would want to ask him. You know, my brother, you you claim to be a Southern Baptist, uh, the president of the Ethics Commission. You you claim to be the voice of ethics for the most conservative and the largest evangelical denomination in the world. Not that Southern Baptists are perfect; they're they're not without their problems. But I mean, here <laughs> you are, and 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 now you're 44 years old. You have a doctor's degree. You're in this highfalutin position, yet you're you belong to these globalist um, agenda uh, forums uh, financed by by some of the most liberal, godless globalists in the world, and 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 now you know America has at least an opportunity to perhaps breathe under a Donald Trump presidency. Maybe not. Donald Trump may lie. He may wind up being the worst president right. we've ever had. But but we know what we're going to get in Hillary Clinton, and and you're encouraging tens of millions of Christians not to even go to the polls. Now, what kind of ethics is that? So if our nation gets flushed down the toilet under Hillary Clinton completely, then, Russell Moore, you have been a part of that. Now, to show you the blatant hypocrisy that I continue to uncover is that while he's telling us that we shouldn't vote for, uh, for um, Donald Trump because he's not a, quote, moral person, He's writing op-eds in the New York Times and the Washington Post, two of the most liberal uh, news rags in the world, telling America's Christians that we should support and honor Barack Obama. Really? Oh, yeah. So, well, wait a minute. Now, I, you know, I, so <laughs> I mean, we might not be able to compare morals too much between Donald Trump and Barack Obama, but we can certainly compare philosophies, and uh, you know, and 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 so all I know is, look, Pastor Dan, please, I want your audience to know, uh, I, this this is so frustrating to me because in trying to speak some rational, logistical sense of reality and pragmatism, it makes it sound like I am just just raising Donald Trump's banner as the savior of America, and I am not. It remains to be seen what he will do. Right. All I know is this. He's the one who's saying, I want to make America great again. I want to guard our Constitution. I want to guard the Bill of Rights. I want to guard your Second Amendment rights, your First Amendment rights. I want to seal our borders from this insanity of open borders. I want to make sure that the Muslims coming to our shores are not the ones trying to kill us and that ISIS is shipping over here. I want to take care of this Obamacare debacle and reverse it and bring back good health care in America. I want to bring corporations back to America. I want to bring jobs back. I want to raise the standard of living. I want to give your children and grandchildren a future. I mean, these are the kinds of things he's saying. I want to make America great again. I don't want China running us over. I don't want Russia running us over. I don't want the Muslim Middle East to run us over. These are the kinds of things he's saying. And you've got who are the people that hate him? The Chinese, the North Koreans, uh, the, the Muslims, the, the Mexicans, the illegal immigrants, um, uh, the communists, the socialists, um, the leftist liberals of America. Um, 
Well, that's reason enough for me to vote for him, brother. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Listen, um, really it comes down to, to uh, uh, something fairly simple in this sense. We're looking at uh, the, all these people that are complaining against Trump and uh, the other side, the liberals, and Obama, all of them, they're globalists, you know, and that's what the Antichrist is, globalist. What's one world thing going on here? You know what I mean? Yes. And so Trump is talking about not being a globalist, and he's talking about fair trade and, and those kind of things. He's still a nationalist. So you really have, there isn't much of a choice here, and to me, it's a no-brainer. I'm not going to vote for the globalists that right now have our borders open where you can look on Drudge today and see that we just brought in, I think it was like two or either two or 4,000 um, Cubans across the border. A farmer's complaining about that 40 people at a time are coming across this property where there used to be just two people at a time. There is no border. Either we stop that or we have no country. Carl, why don't you give your website and we'll go to break and come back and talk. Okay, good. Yeah, thank you. My website is carlgallops.com, carlgallops.com, and my main goal in life is to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to preserve our constitutional republic so you and I can continue to do that in freedom, brother. Yeah, amen. It's a little easier to do that if we're free. Yeah, we'll it be is. Back, yeah, we'll be back in three minutes. Dan will be right back. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. 
out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Pastor Dan Catlin, you're listening to Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour on the American Voice Radio Network. Folks, please remember to pray tonight about a donation for our work with the homeless and poor from our mission church in Wichita, Kansas. Of course, the homeless are poor, but we're talking about the poor that come from all over the city, suffering from this terrible economy, people who have to work part-time just to keep a roof over their family's head. They'd love to be working full-time and have a regular job, but no, they have to be put down to these part-time jobs because Obamacare. Well, praise the Father, Obamacare was declared unconstitutional today, but it isn't a done deal yet. So, really, these people need help, and so they come to us. They come looking for food, clothing, first aid, over-the-counter medications, blankets, Bibles, the gospel, and miracle prayers. A blessing has been taken from you folks because it is your job, not the city's job, um, or the or the uh, government's job to take care of these people. It is your job. Love your neighbors yourself. It's your job, and there's a blessing that goes along with that. And so, really, your blessing is being stolen whenever the city does this, these things. I don't get mad at the city for not doing more because it isn't the job of the city. It's the job of the body of Messiah. It always has been, always will be. The poor will always be with us until you sure return. And I don't know how I'll hand it in a thousand-year reign. But anyway, anyway, so pray about helping us. Um, you know, why do so many people come to us? Because we give them uh, family. We give them relationships. You know, when guidelines stop uh, agencies from helping people, they send people to us. People have millions of dollars in their budget. Send people to a place that really has no budget. We are the last hope for so many, and we are responsible to care one for another, as we are our brother's keepers. All donations, no matter what size, helps. And the Father notices all donations that come from where? Your heart. You can donate online or by mailing a check or money order, and you can find all this information at prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. And remember, you can email, you can call me or email me with a prayer, either one, and you can find all that information at 
prophecyhour.com. And now we're back talking with Carl Gallops, Pastor Carl Gallops, in fact. Are you there with us, Carl? I am, Pastor Dan. Thank you. Yeah, I, I just really, uh, I really do enjoy talking to you. Um, let's go back to this. Um, Christianity, I mean, just the example you gave of this, of this man and him being in a, you know, to me, that's, he's in a, a position of power within um, the uh, Baptist community. Uh, that just really kind of scares me in a way. Yeah, me too. And uh, I, I tell you, the, the one safeguard that Southern Baptists have, though, and one thing that I really like about the denomination, and again, remember, I, I don't like everything about it, and I've gone to task with denominational leaders over the years, so I, I just want your listeners to know I'm all about Jesus and the Word of God. I don't really hang in there with denominational names too much, but <laughs> the, the, one thing, the one thing that I like about the Southern Baptist is that each church is autonomous. In other words, there's not an ecclesiastical body that governs the churches. The churches work cooperatively, independently, to pool their resources and funds. The church that I pastor, for example, we give to what's called the cooperative program, tens of thousands of dollars a year. We pool it with the other many, many tens of thousands of churches, uh, Southern Baptist churches, and we come up with many tens and tens of millions of dollars that we use for foreign missions and, and domestic missions. So, so uh, but but so Russell Moore is um, appointed by our convention to represent our denomination in matters of ethics, for example. But when he speaks, he speaks with no authority over my church, for example. Mm. Um, I don't have to follow what he says. I don't even have to mention his name from my pulpit. I don't have to, uh, you, you know, we don't have to do anything that he says or any other decrees from the convention headquarters. So so that's the thing. See, the globalist and the, and, and the, and the New Agers, the One World Agenda pushers, uh, the, the far left, the, the people, the, the, the Christian haters that are infiltrating our denominations, um, you know, and going with the gay marriage and the gay preachers and priests and all that stuff, they're having a hard time infiltrating the Southern Baptist denomination because there are so many churches and there's so many millions of members and each church is autonomous, so they can't, they can't infiltrate a headquarters where the right. headquarters tells Carl Gallup's what to do or, or else I'm fired. They can't do that. So they have to infiltrate all of the tens of thousands of churches and hope they can get Carl Gallup's and Pastor Dan's to turn their heads. Of course, right. we're not going to. Um, so what I what I suspect has happened, and I don't know this specifically about Russell Moore, but right. when I read his background, it makes me think that what they're what what these uh, people these these America haters and and Christian haters are up to is is planting or placing into the highest positions they can find these influence peddlers. You know, people they might not have authority over Carl Gallup's, but being the president of an entire commission, um, uh, he'll get on Fox News, uh, he'll be in the New York Times, he'll be in the Washington Post, he'll be on CNN, and he can disseminate this blather out there and potentially impact millions of Christians, you see. So that's, I think that's their agenda. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that Russell okay. Moore is directly a part of that. But, but Let that's me break in. I want to say something about you. Um, 
Having said that about Russell Moore or people like him, we don't even have to use him as an example. First off, Carl, I want to I want to tell you I'm really thankful that you told me that about the Southern Baptist Convention. I would not have known, nor would have a lot of people that are probably listening to this radio program, know that you are are together. But I'll call it together, but independent um, in that sort of manner, and that's a really good thing. Having said that. Now, you have people like this gentleman that we're talking about, Russell, um, him being risen up to be put into these positions of power. Well, you know what? Um, I listened to you, and I, and I watched you with your books, and I, I'm not, I don't want to call it popular, but, you know, you're starting to be called on more and more and more from the media. But you're called for the other side of the story, and I believe that's a calling from God, not a calling a man, but a calling of God had risen you up all your life for this time to help counteract this. And so uh, I think that uh, you're really walking where you should be. And I also want to caution you to be careful because uh, you should probably be getting all kinds of attacks for standing up for right uh, right now. Anyway, back to you. Well, Pastor Dan, I can't tell you how encouraging that was to me, everything that you said. Thank you that I was able to shed some light about Southern Baptist and how that denomination works. A lot of people don't know that. Thank you for your words of um, insight, perhaps even prophecy over me. And, and listen, if that is what God is up to, if that's his design, his will, I just I pray I can live up to it, and I pray that I don't disappoint him or you or your listeners, because my heart is right in this, as you know, and um, I, we've known each other for years now, and I haven't changed. I mean, hopefully I'm maturing in the Lord, but I, I, I don't, you know, shift with the sands of political correctness. I stand on the Word of God. I stand on Jesus Christ and and and, and salvation in Him alone, um, and 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 the and the foundational doctrines of our faith. And I'm not going to be moved. And so, if God can use my big old mouth in a time like this, and and you know, I was a cop for ten years before I was a pastor, and I've been a pastor for thirty years, and and uh, so I've got a lot of life experience under my belt. And if God can use that to stand up in these prophetic, tumultuous times, then then praise be to his name, and and I hope maybe he can use me to speak a little uh, truth on the other side of the coin, because we are living in prophetic times, brother. We truly right. are. Amen. And, uh, Amen. Hey, uh, let me go with this. You know, while we all, I was talking about this on my other program, <clears throat> but uh, the thing that I'm really trying to, that that the Father's put on my heart that's just hit me real big, especially after, you know, there's this girl I've been helping, Carl, and, you know, right now she she had lost everything because her purse got stolen at work, lost her job, lost everything, and, and she is still so very cheerful because she has a personal relationship with the Lord. Yeah. But, Carl, this girl can hardly even see, and she doesn't have a pair of glasses right now, and she says, I'm not angry about that. Then that way, God's leading me around. I can see things through him. And so he's leading me around. But this girl that has nothing and is taking care of her baby has a personal relationship with Yeshua. And it means so much. And it's the relationship that that you see so many people just strive to get because she talks to the Lord, she hears his voice, and he hears from the Lord. And that's what I'm telling people right now. 
look beyond the elections and all these other things, and you've got to get to that personal relationship. Do you know what I mean, Carl? Yes, I do, brother, and that's that's where the water hits the wheel, isn't it? I mean, that's what it's really all about, because, you know, the Word of God is clear. If we're blessed, if we're blessed, we have 70 or 80 years here. You know, we're not... We're, we, we are here to, to have a relationship with our Creator and then to advance the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ. We are the advance agents out here that God has put us here. He's raised us up for such a time as this. And so, yes, you're this precious girl that you are referring to, this woman, this mother, um, she, she's got it. She gets it. This is what it's about, regardless of our lot in life, regardless of our limitations, and we all have them, regardless of our handicaps. And, and to one degree or another, we all have a handicap. <laughs> we do. Yeah, and, and Every one of us does, and if we're honest with ourselves. So, so the point is that we are to make the best with the gifts we have, give them to God, develop our relationship with Jesus Christ, advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and do all we can to shine the light in the darkness, be the salt, sprinkle the salt, um, never grow weary of doing good, and understand that we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Because Jesus taught us to pray, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom's coming, Pastor Dan, you know that. And yeah, so that's know. what that's why what you do is so important. You're meeting the physical and spiritual needs of people now, but in so doing, you're changing hearts and souls and lives and minds, and so you're preparing the kingdom that is to come. And that's what I'm trying to do. You're using your gifts and your voice. I'm using my gifts and my voice, and and, and that's all we've got, Brother Dan. I mean, if we're yeah. blessed to live 70 or 80 years, then great, but I mean, that's about all we get, so... So we've got work to do, and, and it comes through our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, first and foremost, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's what it's all about. You know, when all these things are temporal, they're going to go away, but that relationship won't go away. That will muster in us being with him for an eternity, and that's what counts, you know. Okay. And so okay. we have to put that kingdom first in what he calls us to do. How many people, Carl, do you see that just, you know, they're, they're being called, but they just seem to be ignoring what God's telling them to do, that they can uh, do I big know. things? I, know. I see it all the time, and it's a sad tale. As a pastor, I've been the pastor for 30 years in one church, so I've seen several generations of people come and go and grow up, and people move in and out of the area. People get mad and leave. People get glad and come back. I mean, I've seen it all, three decades, and, and it's a sad thing. To watch the calling of God, the anointing of God upon a man or a woman or a young man, young woman's life, and them either ignore it or abuse it and crash and burn it. And it's, it's a sad thing. And it happens. It happens. And more often than I would like to see. And, and I just want to shake them and say, don't you understand? You don't have much time left. <laughs> you right. know? Don't squander what you have. Use it for the glory of God. <laughs> but anyway. Right. Well, amen. Even if, even if we we can sit here and give signs and and talk about your books and all the things that are pointing to the time at the end and that Yeshua is going to return soon. But you know, in reality, really, that stuff in a sense doesn't matter because we can walk out this door and get run over by a bus. We can get struck down with cancer. 
Um, so no matter what, it's immediate that we need to get right and follow that relationship because, you know, the things of this world really mean nothing, you know, and riches, all that, I could care less about any of that. But I get that peace, that love, you know, that peace that I can sleep in the night, that peace that I have with self, and that only comes, that shalom, that's what shalom means, his perfect peace. I only get that perfect peace from my communication with him. Back yeah. to you. No, 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 you're right, brother. That's good preaching. That's good teaching right there. <laughs> and and that's true because, like you said, you can walk out the door and fall down of a heart attack or get in your car and get, get hit by a truck at the at the next stop sign. I mean, that's right. So So really all that matters, number one, is our personal relationship with Christ right now, right now, settle it. I mean, if you're listening tonight and you've never called upon Yeshua HaMashiach to save you, to, to if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, um, I, I urge you, by Romans ten nine, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. That's the thing you've got to get squared away. And then after that, you know, we, we don't know what tomorrow holds. So each day, um, do your best to use it to bring glory to God. Use it to, to, to say a good word for the word of God, for the name of God, for the name of Jesus Christ. Let your life make a difference for the kingdom of God. Now, if you're blessed, as Pastor Dan and I have been, to have been given many decades of life so far, uh, then invest that and invest each day uh, for using the biggest voice and the biggest platform that, that God can give you uh, to reach as many as possible. Um, and that's what Pastor Dan is doing. That's what I'm doing. And I know so many of your listeners are doing the same thing, Pastor Dan. And today, man, with social media and Internet and cell phones and Facebook and YouTube and all the different ways, <laughs> websites and blogs, I mean, man, the, quote, average member in a pew today can reach ten times more people than the average pastor of just a couple of decades ago, um, yeah, just, just from their own living room. Yeah, absolutely. We we have the world at our fingertips, so to speak. Um, and so why wouldn't we use that? We should use that to, to share the love and the joy. And and, and uh, I just can't explain it. You know, it's, it's, it's that personal feeling, that thing that you have. And you need to, sh- man, I just want to share it with everybody. I want everybody to have that. That's what I want them to have. I don't like I said, I don't care about the riches and all that, but I want them to have that personal feeling that I experience. And, and I don't care whether you believe that you're, you're pre-trib, post-trib, or, you know, what you believe like that. I want you to believe in salvation. I want you to believe that Yeshua died for your sins and that you don't have to carry those bag of rocks around the rest of your life. Get rid of them. Man, get rid of him and accept him and let him take that burden from you and walk forward, man. Walk forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so very good. And, 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 and may I take just a moment and kind of give a little bit more perspective on what we're facing in November and how that ties into what you and I have just been saying? Well, I'd love for you to. you got about seven minutes in five. Okay, well, let me do this quickly. Folks, listen, please hear me. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I didn't come on here to campaign for anybody, and I didn't, I'm not camp, Donald Trump's campaign chairman. I'm not. I'm just a pragmatist. And, and, and listen, I love the Lord. I'm advancing his kingdom. I thank God for the United States of America, the freedoms it's given me, my children, my grandchildren. I want them to have the same for the church, for my ability to preach every Sunday, and I don't get my head cut off. And I don't get thrown in jail yet for it. 
And I'm trying to preserve that. God's given us a gift, and in order to preserve it, we have to be engaged. We've got to be the salt. We've got to be the light. We can't sit around and soothe our conscience and say, well, you know, there's no perfect candidate out there that could be my preacher or my Sunday school teacher. They're all a bunch of godless idiots, so I'm just not going to vote. I, I just, my conscience won't let me vote. Well, on November the 9th, you're going to wake up, and either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump's going to be your president and commander-in-chief. What's your conscience going to say if Hillary Clinton is it and continues the Obama apostasy? What's your conscience going to say then? And you say, well, Donald Trump's not much better. Well, we don't know. We know where Hillary Clinton stands. We know what Donald Trump's telling us. I don't place my salvation in Donald Trump. I don't think he's the savior of America. I'm just saying I have a responsibility to do something and, and to be involved, to be engaged. It's like this. This is the best illustration I can think of right now, uh, brother, brother Dan. Let's say you've been away on vacation for a month. You come home. You go into your basement, and you're horrified. It's filled with rats and raccoons. Somehow they've gotten in your house. It's filled with fleas and lice and nastiness and disease. And so you shut the door, and you're horrified. You say, oh, my gosh. You get on the phone. You start calling exterminators, and there's only one guy within a 500-mile radius who's trained and equipped to deal with an infestation of rats and raccoons in your basement. You've got to get rid of them or your, your house is going to be condemned. You're, you're going to be dead before long. So you call the guy over. He starts work. He starts smoking a cigarette and starts using some language you don't normally like. Are you going to say, you know what, um, just go ahead and uh, I'm going to put you out of here uh, because you're not qualified to be my preacher or my Sunday school teacher. Uh, no, you want him to exterminate the rats and the raccoons. Right. That's what you hired him for. Put him in your basement. Let him do his job and pray for him. Maybe give witness to him and then send him on his way. You know, and that's life. I mean, not yeah. everybody walking around has got the temperament of a preacher and a Sunday school teacher in a relationship with Jesus. We've got two choices to make in this thing. And Donald Trump says he's going to go into the basement and exterminate the rats and the raccoons. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I know he's not a perfect guy, but neither was Ronald Reagan. Neither was Bill Clinton or George Bush or Jimmy Carter or any of the other presidents in our lifetime. But somebody is going to be president. And for the Christian to sit home and say, well, I'm just not going to get involved, well, then you will be responsible for putting Hillary Clinton in office. That's all I got to say about it, Brother Dan. Well, amen. And, but you, you hit, hit it right on the head. That's the problem that I think that, we, that the country has been having for a very long time, is that Christians have decided, instead of using that kind of logic, they're going, well, I can't vote for the guy that, you know, might make things better because he's not, you know, like you say, your pastor or, or really, you know, a really good guy. But he could have did the job, but they won't get up and vote for him because of that. So they stay at home. And therefore, they withdraw themselves from it. And by withdrawing themselves, they actually help the other side. What's that saying um, about uh, good and evil? If a good man does nothing, then evil wins or something like yeah, that? No, that's correct. That's the only thing it takes for evil to advance is for good men to do nothing. And, you know, it's the same Christians who are saying, well, I can't vote for Donald Trump because he's not a godly man. Well, who do you work for? Is your boss? Is your employer? Are they all godly people? Do you teach school? 
Is everybody in the public school system, are they all godly people? Um, I mean, we do. do you work at Walmart? Are all the people there godly? Are they, you know, I mean, come on. We live in the world. We don't have to be of it, but we're in the world. We have choices to make about relationships and bosses and employment and presidents and, and, and right. commanders-in-chief. And we better, we better shine the light, Pastor Dan, or the light's going to go out, and it's going to go dark in America quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know what America would look like after um, even one term of Hillary Clinton. And I just don't, because look, there's a Supreme Court justice to put in. If they put a liberal Supreme Court justice, what will that bring? Yes. Well, we've got Obamacare to deal with. We've got a liberal Supreme Court justice. We've got borders to deal with. We've got ISIS infiltrating our country. We've got foreign countries that hate our guts and nuclear proliferation and the extinction, extermination of Christianity in the Middle East and Israel being hated and surrounded on all sides. We've got some problems and you've got folks have to decide, do you want Donald Trump looking in the face of these people or do you want Hillary Clinton? And then make your choice. You know, I mean, it's obvious who I'm going to vote for right now, but, uh, you, you know, I'm not commanding that anybody else do it, but I'm just saying Christians don't sit home and say, that, well, nobody's out there qualified to be my preacher, so I'm not going to vote for him. Well, we're not voting for a preacher. We're voting for the commander-in-chief. Yeah, amen. Maybe at one time when I was real young, they might have seemed like a preacher. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, because when I was young, they didn't even use, they didn't use vulgarities. And, you know, if you caught a politician really lying, you know what I mean? It was a scandal. I mean, and, but that's all washed away. We have what we have. And we need to vote. That, that's the short and long with it. But anyway, Carl, thanks for coming back on with me again tonight. Why don't you tell the people where they can find uh, your books and everything and, and your website, I guess. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Well, my website is carlgallops.com, and it's a clearinghouse website for everything that I do. So that's the easiest place. But you can also go on over to Amazon, just stick my name in the search engine and ask to see my author's page. And then uh, that just has a ton of stuff about me and my ministry and the books. But, but, uh, but I'm a pastor, former law enforcement officer, a radio host, do TV and radio uh, uh, commentary and print media commentary. I've authored several best-selling books that are helpful to the Christian world. And so anyway, I'm just trying to advance the kingdom and preserve our constitutional republic so our children can have some freedom, brother. Well, amen. And folks, I think you get the last word, be, word, uh, book that he wrote, which is called Be Thou Prepared, because it's a must-read for this time. Well, Carl, thanks for being on with me. I really enjoyed having you, and you be blessed, brother. Thank Hawaii you. And shalom. You as well. Yeah. God bless you. Shalom. All right. Well, folks, that's Pastor Cole Gallops. And, you know, um, I like the guy, and, you know, I'm not a Southern Baptist, of course, and you aren't either, but you know, he's. I do believe that. You know, while that he is doing a work. I mean, he exposed this man on our radio program, and he's talked about him in other places. And these are the kind of people that are infiltrating the church. We need people to point that out because had they not pointed out, how would you know? I mean, it's just that simple. We need those kind of people. Carl's one of those kind of people. I don't agree with Carl on a lot of things. I don't, uh, but that doesn't mean that I can't come together with him under Messiah and talk and do some things and, and, and point you towards one thing. 
And that one thing is Yeshua HaMashiach. You need to have him accepted in your life. You need to let him rule your life. How can you call him Lord, Lord, if you don't do the things that he says? You must do that. Well, folks, I also got uh, to ask, we really do need your help at the Wichita Mission Church. Pray about a donation when you hear this program. If, if anything was useful to you, if you don't want to donate to the poor and the homeless, donate to um, radio. We must remember there is only one God. He is your father. He's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His son is Yeshua HaMashiach. He gave his life for repented sins. He rose after three days and three nights in our heart of the earth. Through him and only through him is the way to the Father. Remember, always, always, always be a blessing to others. How can you not, if you're saved, how can you not be a blessing to others? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's like praying for Messiah's return. Lord our God, Father, King of the universe, I ask in Yeshua Al-Messiah's name that the Father blesses you and keeps you, and his face shines upon you, and is gracious to you, and gives you peace like no one or nothing else can. Until next Thursday, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. You've just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. To contact Dan on the Internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Tune in next time for Messiah's Branch. running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 316 316- Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.